slopes. Those go to run back to be counted by our, and then we have a team on site when that accounting happens. So Maricopa does not maintain an exact count of those ballots prior to them being transferred to Runback. That's not true. You do? Because we have employees on site that entire time. On site where? At Runback. So why would somebody from MTech strike that? Is it your testimony that the printer set changes that gave rise to the so-called shrink to fit uh, issue, was that done on election day? That's correct. All right. Thank you. I have no further questions. Thank you, Your Honor. I have just a couple of questions. So, Scott, to be clear, the question that you were asked yesterday was whether or not there was a 19-inch definition in the in the election management system. Is that correct? That's correct. The record will speak for itself in terms of what question he was asked and whether there was a, it was asked with the question of a definition. Fair. Overruled, I'll let him answer, and you can both argue. Go ahead. Sir. Scott, was that your understanding of the question that was being asked of you? Yes, that was my understanding. And that was true yesterday and it's true today. Is that right? That's correct. There were no 19-inch definitions in the election management system. That's correct. So this uh, fit-to-print issue that we're talking about, has this ever happened before in any previous elections? Yes, it has. When did it happen before? So it happened in the August 2020 primary election, the November 2020 general election, and the August uh, 2022 primary election. So would, is it safe to say that this, you know, falls into the category of, you know, an election day hiccup, um, and it's related to to a human error on that day trying to resolve a problem related to the printers? Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And you testified before the total number of ballots that were impacted by this shrink to print fit. I'm sorry, fit to print issue. What was that total number? It was just on, and I don't have that exact count. It was just under 1,300. Okay. And I believe you testified before, but what's the process then for once those are identified so that those ballots can get tabulated? So then those would go to a bipartisan duplication board, and then they together would make determinations to on voter intent for each contest on the ballot. Those would then get duplicated. That ballot would be printed, and that ballot would then be run through a central count tabulator to be counted and then reported. And the bipartisan adjudication board process, is that observed? That is by political parties. Okay. And you testified that there were a few thus far in the root cause analysis, there have been a few different issues that have been identified that caused some uh, ballots to be placed into door three. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And have you, is the root cause analysis completed? No, it's not. Have you presented it publicly to the board of supervisors yet? We have not. I have no further questions, your honor. All right. May the witness be excused. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. Jarrett. Your excuse, sir. Okay.
County, I have another witness. Okay, the defendants. Bo Dole on behalf of the Secretary of State. Um, with your Honor's permission, I'd like to call Ryan Macias and put him on from council table. He'll be appearing remotely so that he can see me while I'm examining him. From council table? Yeah. Well, you just, you know, sit, she was going to sit there rather than be at the podium. Oh, yeah, yeah that's fine. Not a problem. <laughs> so you're calling Mr. Macias? He's in the waiting room, Your Honor. And Your Honor, I, I just want to point out before we get going on another witness, it's it's about time for we 50-year-olds afternoon break. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Blum. Um, whether in good shape or not on time, we'll take the 15 minutes right now. Thank you. So we'll come back here at 10 till. All right. Well, hold on a second. I'm not ready Two All right, so we got another 15-minute recess. I'm going to give a little commentary here, but since we got 3,300 people watching, I would first ask you guys smash that rumble button and subscribe. So the cross-examination of uh, co-election director Jarrett was interesting. Um, I found it very odd that all of a sudden co-election director Jarrett uh, was full and well aware of this so-called shrink-to-fit issue but did not bring this up yesterday when he was questioned about 19 inch ballot images put on 20 inch ballot paper i mean when you're sitting in the witness stand and that's the central focus about what you're being questioned about uh don't you think you would bring this up that hey as part of a root cause analysis we happen to find that you know some of these vote centers were experiencing uh ballots being rejected because the person running the ballot-on-demand printers, I guess, accidentally selected shrink to fit? You would think you would bring that up, right? Doesn't make any sense. And and I find, I, I, I have reason to suspect that they just made that up on the fly, you know? Um, 
they say that there's communications, you know, that they've been having backstage where they identified this shrink to fit thing and they can, you know, these, these records exist, but I'm sitting here thinking, no, they don't. No, they don't, but you could easily fabricate them, of course, <laughs> but they're saying there's email communications and blah, blah, blah. They've talked about this backstage. I, I don't, I don't buy it whatsoever. And again, I want to bring you guys back to the point that Clay Perique made yesterday, which is that even if you were to make the selection shrink to fit, like I, I know what you guys, you guys know what shrink to fit is, right? When you're even at your home printer, when you go to print something and let's say the document's large and you want it, you want it to fit on one piece of paper, you click shrink to fit. It scales the image down so that it fits. But here's the thing. You're telling us that only 20 inch ballot, uh, ballot styles exist. And you're telling us those 20 inch ballot styles get printed on 20 inch paper. So if I was to click the shrink to fit button, it doesn't need to shrink it to fit it on the paper. So nothing would change. Hitting shrink to fit wouldn't change anything. Not to mention, Clay Perique said um, that the only way to make a change like that would be if you were to have admin access to this laptop that connects to the ballot on demand printer and make an administrative change to override the 20 inch ballot image. So I think that they're lying here, and I think that that goes without saying. Um, now, the other thing here, which I found interesting with Mr. Jarrett's testimony, and I'm glad this was brought out in cross-examination from Carrie Lake's attorney, Kurt Olson. Jarrett said that there's there's no problem with the uh, Election Day drop-offs chain of custody. I mean, one of Carrie Lake's central, central arguments is that we have no chain of custody for 292000 Ballots that were dropped off on election day. These are mail-in ballots. And so what Mr. Jarrett said, Mr. Jarrett said that, well, it's not an issue because, you know, those ballots go to Runbeck and we have um, Maricopa employees at Runbeck who count them there. And what I wish Kurt Olson would have driven home even harder because he did he did bring this up, but I wish he'd have made this point extremely clear. When you pick those ballots up at the Dropbox location, you should have a count of how many ballots you're picking up right there. Because those ballots get picked up and then they get transferred to another location. So you need an initial uh, count of how many you had when you fit, when you picked them up in the first place. Okay? Because if you don't, then when you pick them up at the Dropbox location and you take them to Runbeck... If you don't have an initial count, you can insert ballots into the count on your way to run back. Does that make sense? That's why chain of custody is so important. And these ballots are lacking chain of custody. And uh, the, the argument that Mr. Jarrett made doesn't pass the smell test whatsoever. The other thing here, I want to I say this once again. I said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. They're raising... You know, uh, Carrie Lake's people are raising this issue about the 19-inch ballot ballot images uh, being printed on 20-inch ballot paper, causing the ballots to be rejected. Right? Um, and 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 what the county is saying is that there's no issue here, because what happens is the ballots that get rejected at the vote center 
then go to the central counting center and we have duplication teams from both parties duplicate the voters selections onto a new ballot and then that ballot gets sent through a tabulator and it gets accepted and they say because the ballot still gets counted then there's no issue here right nobody's nobody's votes are being rejected they still get counted so what's the big deal well first of all the first big deal is the massive voter disenfranchisement because the long lines that are caused by these ballots not being accepted. But the second issue is this. When they go to the central count location and you have people transferring people's vote selections onto new ballots, there's an opportunity for them to change the voter selections. Now, there's supposed to be guards against this. First, that there's uh, bipartisan people on this team, you have people from the Democrat Party, people from the Republican Party. It's a team. But second, after the ballots are duplicated, they're supposed to be stuck together. The original and the duplicate. And they're supposed to be marked specifically. They're supposed to have serial numbers so you can match them up. And what we learned is that they did not follow this process. And so we have an opportunity for fraud and laws broken and most likely votes being changed without any way to trace the original back to the duplicate and catch them. And so I think what they did here in this election was very smart. I got to I got to hand it to them. These are some class world-class criminals. Not just with the execution, but also with the cover-up. You know, I mean <laughs> this is this is some pretty complex uh election manipulation. And I, I got to hand it to them. These are some these are some damn good criminals, and they got some damn good attorneys. Uh but I, I really, uh, I really still think that this is going in Carrie Lake's favor because every time that they put one of their witnesses on the stand, and I'm like, damn, damn, they're really making some good arguments here. Uh, I know that it's bullshit, but I think that the judge is probably going for this. Then when Kurt Olson gets a chance to cross-examine, I'm like, yes. Okay, so he, he just completely destroyed them. Hang on one sec. It's dark up in here. It's dark up in here. So I'm still I'm still feeling pretty good about how this is going, guys. It's, it, why am I so red? <laughs> I still feel pretty good about how this is going. Um, Carrie Lake. You know, uh, with 292 ballots and no chain of custody, election day drop offs. I think that they've, uh, still maintained their, their evidence on that. The county has not refuted that. They've tried to, they tried to say, well, we have, we have people pledging at one back that count them up at one back. Bitch, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I would love to be there because all I would do is say, I object. <laughs> Judge. I've administered a bitch slap to the witness and I rest my case. You know, but, uh, yeah. So how do you guys think it's going? How do you guys think it's going? Those of you that have been listening all the way through. Uh, yes, they are going to appeal. That's for sure. 100%. No matter who wins, no matter who comes out victorious in this lower court, uh, judge's decision it's definitely going to be appealed all the way up to the Arizona Supreme Court, for sure. Uh, but it's going to be expedited. We have the inauguration of, of 
so-called governor-elect Katie Hobbs on January 3rd. And the way this election contest statute works in Arizona is that it, it, it works on an expedited basis. So hopefully we have a decision before January 3rd from the highest court in Arizona. I don't know if it's going to be that quick, but uh, the appeals court, it should I mean, the appellate court should be quick. Um, but yeah, no matter who wins, it's definitely going to be appealed. Again, guys, smash that rumble button and subscribe if you if you wouldn't mind. While you're here, I got 3,400. Holy smokes, we got 3,400 of you guys here. So so yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely want you guys to join the Wolf Pack, join the fam. If you're new to this channel, you don't even know who I am. You're like, who's this guy with a red beard? Who's this ginger talking about Carrie Lake? Well, my name's Nick Mo Cedar. I'm not an attorney. I'm not an expert in anything, but I read a lot and I have opinions about everything. So, you know, if you think, if you think that's, if, if, if you think there's some value in that, then go ahead and smash subscribe. Man, this is a long, long dragged out title fight. It's been going on for freaking, I feel like I've been at, at this for 48 hours straight, but you know, this is, um, this is, this is, this is amazing. We actually got to trial and tomorrow we have Abraham Hamaday. Now I'm not sure if Abraham Hamaday's lawsuit's going to be two days or one day, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be live streaming on Christmas freaking Eve. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to, we're just going to have to ch keep, keep up it updated on the news on that one. I don't even know if I can convince my wife to let me stream it tomorrow. Cause she's already at her wits end. I've been trying to break out of here, you know, and help. And I just, I cooked some pork chops just now, help with the baby, put him the, you know, down for a nap and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we're getting to our limit here with the, with the missus, but she's been very, very cool and very understanding. All right. So we're still waiting. Um, we, we have a 15 minute recess. We still have, I think another witness and some closing arguments. So this is going to be a late one. Definitely going to be a late one. <clears throat> Yep. Now, what, what I also found interesting is that they said they were, they were questioned. Mr. Jarrett, the co-elections director of Maricopa County, was asked, has this shrink to fit issue ever happened in a prior election? And he said, yes, it happened in the primaries. It happened in the 2020 election. It happened in the 2018 election. It's happened in almost every election. Well, gee, don't you think that you would say to uh, don't you think you would put out a, a massive message to everybody? Hey, quit clicking that damn shrink to fit button because you're causing chaos in an election. I mean, they really, really, really spend a lot of time trying to get you to use a felt tip pen on election day. <laughs> you know, don't they don't want you to use a ballpoint pen. They make sure their messaging about that's very, very uh, clear and it's it gets spread through all channels and everybody knows their instructions that you must use a felt tip pen. But when it comes to the people actually running the election, apparently they just can't get this message across to everybody. Hey, stop hitting the gosh damn shrink to fit button. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. They're lying. And they said that they only their their root cause analysis. They identified this shrink to fit at three uh, voting locations. And I think that they said that that didn't happen anywhere else. 
which is odd. And it, it appeared that Kurt Olson knew that they were lying. He, he cited a specific vote center and he said, so what would happen if evidence were to pop up that there was uh, 19 inch ballots at this vote center right here that you just said that it didn't happen there? What, what, what would happen if that evidence just popped up out of nowhere? And uh, he seemed visibly shaken by that. He also seemed visibly shaken when Kurt Olson was asking him, hey, so you're saying you knew about this shrink to fit before you testified yesterday. Do these communications exist? And he was like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think so. He was scared. Emily C. $20 says, do you think the county's lawyers know their clients stole the elections? I don't know, man, but it looks like the judge says, please be seated. The stream is back up. I'm going to go eat some pork chops, and I guess we'll be tuning in a little bit later. Oh, my God, it's Ryan Messias. I I can't stand this guy. This is going to make me hurl. I might want to wait on my pork chop. This guy is a total freaking operative. All right, this is CV 2020-095-403. This is Lake versus Hobbs at Al. We are continuing on the record, and we have the parties and the representatives present and their respective counsel. I believe the defendants were calling uh, Mr. Macias as a witness. Mr. Macias, uh, can you raise your right hand to be sworn in, sir? You do solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, God? I do. Thank you. Go ahead and proceed. Your Honor, before we get started, I just want to let Your Honor know for planning purposes that this will be the defense's last witness. Thank you. Um, Good afternoon, Mr. Macias. Uh, Please state your full name for the record. Brian Macias. Thank you for being here, Mr. Macias. Will you please describe your current work and profession? Yes, uh, I am a subject matter expert consultant in election technology, election infrastructure, elections administration, um, as well as uh, voting systems and other areas of critical infrastructure. I have worked in the healthcare field, the space sector, um, information and communication technologies, um, and other areas of critical infrastructure as well. Um, to whom do you provide your election technology and security consulting services? Yes, uh, my typical clients are uh, government entities, what we call federal, state, local, territorial, and tribal uh, government entities. Um, and uh, I have also uh done work, like I said, outside with uh, federally funded research and development centers. So these are entities that are funded through the federal government, but uh, are organizations outside. And how many states um, across the U.S. have you worked with on election matters? Yeah, so uh, in my career, um, I have worked with uh, almost every state uh, across the nation. This year alone, um, I was present in 19, approximately 19 different states and worked with thousands of local election jurisdictions across the United States. 
Your Honor, uh, may I interject really quickly? It would appear to me that uh, Mr. Macias is reading from something that we're not privy to. He keeps looking to the side as if he's reading something, Your Honor. And if he is, we would like to know what it is. I can do that. Mr. Macias, when you testify, uh, you need you need to testify from your own uh, without referring to something. If you need to refer to something, you can tell us you need to and then look. Are you are you looking at something? Yeah, no, I apologize if I am. Uh, there is a little bit of a glare uh, from the right-hand side uh, with a with a light, but I am not reading anything. Very well. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Please, Aiden Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Mr. Macias, uh, can you tell us any other examples of entities that you've provided election technology and security consulting services to? Yes, as I had mentioned, um, I worked for Idaho National Laboratories, uh, which is a federally funded research and development center. Um, specifically, I worked on their cyber core integration center, where I conducted um, or developed, excuse me, uh, the methodology and process for the critical product evaluation uh, or CPE, which is um, a ethical hacking in a laboratory environment of critical infrastructure products uh, and and technologies, um, including election technologies. Um, And so uh, I worked with them from 2019 to 2020 um, and develop the methodology and, and implementation of the critical product evaluation. Um, are there other examples of election technology or security assignments you've done on behalf of government entities that you haven't already shared? Um, uh, well, I've worked uh, both for the uh, as a consultant to um, an entity that was funded by the Department of State to do uh, cybersecurity and risk assessments on election infrastructure abroad, um, as well as um, I have uh, acted as a subject matter expert consultant to uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Um, and, uh, and that's the majority of my work outside of uh, either federal or state government. Do you do any work on behalf of election technology vendors such as Dominion, ESNS, Unison, or Runbeck? No, I've never um, worked directly for uh, and have no financial interest in any election technology provider, including those uh, that you have mentioned. However, in some of the roles that I have worked, including those federally funded um, uh, roles, I have provided services, trainings, resources to those entities on behalf of a federally funded client. Have you ever been on the payroll of or paid? Sorry. It's clear he's reading something, Your Honor. When he's asked a question, he's looking directly into the camera. When he is answering that question, he will look down and he will look to the right. All we got to do is watch his eyes, Your Honor. It's clear it's there. And and so, again, if Mr. Macias is reading from materials, Your Honor, that we don't have, we're not privy to, we would like to know about it. Mr. Macias, are you reading material? I am not reading material. I have uh, the teams up on full screen in front of me. Okay, that's a minute and a half you've used for the two questions. So, 
Thank you. You can continue. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, Mr. Macias, I was asking, um, have you ever been on the payroll of or paid by an election technology provider? No. Um, have you been engaged as an expert election technology and security consultant by state and local officials of different political parties? Yes, I have. Um, as a matter of fact, I am currently under contract for both uh, state and local governments uh, from both major political parties. And I have conducted work uh, on behalf of both Re Republicans, uh, Democrats and uh, nonpartisan elections officials, including immense amount of work uh, for Republican uh, secretaries of state, uh, such as uh, Idaho and Arkansas and Democratic secretaries of state, such as Pennsylvania and uh, right here in Arizona. And how long have you been working in this field, Mr. Macias? Um, I've been working in this field for over 17 years, um, with 13 of those years working directly within federal or state government. Can you describe any election administration, technology, election security related roles you've had with the federal government? Yeah, with the federal government um, from 2016 to 2019, uh, I worked directly for the United States Elections Assistance Commission. Uh, this is the entity that was stood up by uh, the Help America Vote Act of 2002. Uh, and in that uh, capacity. Um, my last role was acting director of the Voting System Testing and Certification Program. This is one of the roles of the United States Elections Assistance Commission is to uh, provide for a testing and certification program. Um, it is the only federal testing and certification program. Uh, another role is to develop the voluntary voting system guidelines or the standards by which the voting systems are tested. A third role is to accredit the voting system testing laboratories. These are the laboratories in which uh, the EAC utilizes to conduct the testing for uh, voting systems against uh, those voluntary voting system standards. And so I oversaw that process as the acting director of the voting system testing and certification program. Um, and prior to that, uh, and, and in that role as well, uh, I performed all of the duties uh, that that I just described. Great. Can you describe any um, election administration, technology, or security-related roles that you've had in state government? Yeah, for over 10 years, I worked for the California Secretary of State, specifically for the Office of Voting Systems Technology Assessment. Um, in, in that role, uh, at OVSTA, as we call it, um, California has the most robust uh, security testing for all election technologies. This is not just voting systems, but also for ballot printing companies, ballot printing facilities, uh, ballot on demand systems, and other types of election technology. Um, also in that role, uh, I was appointed by then Secretary of Alex Padilla to be the California representative to the United States Elections Assistance Commission's Standards Board which is a uh, federal advisory, excuse me, federal advisory committee act um, or FACA board uh, established by the Help America Vote Act as well. Have you done election specific um, work in Arizona? 
Yes. Um, I've done a lot of work here in Arizona, uh, including um, providing an advisory role on the voting system testing and certification program, um, along with their election equipment uh, advisory board. Um, I have also, uh, in 2021, uh, I was named by Secretary Hobbs to be one of her expert observers for uh, this state senate uh, review of Maricopa County's voting technology, as well as ballots, which confirmed the results of the 2020 election in Maricopa County, uh, uh, as tabulated by the Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5B voting system. Um, I have also uh, conducted um, logic and accuracy testing. I was hired to uh, perform logic and accuracy testing for the 2022 election cycle. Uh, where I uh, performed and, and worked with the state in developing the methodology uh, for performing those tasks um, on the logic and accuracy in 13 of the 15 counties uh, in Arizona for the August primary election. Um, before testifying today, Mr. Macias, did you provide a current copy of your resume or your CV to me? Yes, I did. Uh, can we pull up Exhibit 17? Can you see the exhibit, Mr. Macias? I cannot. Yes, I can now. You take a minute to look at it and then let me know if this is a true and correct copy of your CV that was provided to me. Yes, it's hard to read, but it's looked like the copy I provided to you. You prepared this document, correct? That is correct. And does it include your experience and expertise related to election administration, election technology, and election security that you just testified about? That is correct. And does it also include a listing of the legal cases in which you've testified as an expert on these issues? That is correct. Um, and courts have relied on you as an expert witness on election procedures, election technology, and election security? That is correct. Your Honor, I'd like to move Exhibit 17 into evidence. No objection, Your Honor. No objection? No objection, Your Honor. Okay, 17 is admitted. Thank you. Um, Mr. Macias, what experience, if any, do you have with the election management system that Maricopa County uses? Yeah, so uh, as I had previously stated, uh, I actually have um, a lot of experience, not just with the election management system, which is one component uh, of the Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5B voting system, um, but I have uh, experience in the entire system uh, testing uh, the Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5B. Uh, in fact, I have uh, tested and or overseen the testing of six versions of the Democracy Suite um, voting system, which are either predecessors to the Dominion Democracy five point Dominion Democracy Suite five point five B voting system, 
uh, and or um, uh, a derivative thereof. Based on your experience with voting systems, including the EMS, um, the election management system, which I'll refer to as the EMS, can you please describe to the court the functions of Maricopa County's um, EMS in producing a ballot? Yeah, so the election management system, um, specifically election event designer, EED, um, which is an application of the election management system, um, does what we call it, it generates ballot definitions and creates ballot styles. A ballot style is a unique list of candidates and contests um, for a given voter voter uh, based on the jurisdictions in which they live. So myself, if I lived in a in a city within a county, I am going to have a list of candidates and contests. Uh, a friend of mine who may live in the same county, but in a different city may have a different mayor and therefore they would have a different ballot style. These ballot styles are rendered or generated into what we call a ballot definition file. Um, these ballot definition files are used to program uh, the voting system, but they are also used to generate what we call a ballot PDF um, or a PDF uh, file that contains all of the ballot styles within the election definition. These ballot uh, PDFs are then utilized to print the ballots, both early ballots and election day ballots. Uh, the ballot definition files are sent to the printers to be printed uh, on commercial print presses, as well as uh, uploaded onto the ballot on demand printers to print early and in person or in person early and election day ballots as well. So again, uh, as it pertains to ballot printing, the EMS solely generates a set of files to be used uh, either on other portions of the voting system or on other election technologies, such as a ballot on demand technology. Um, that's a good transition. So I'll shift from the EMS to the ballot on demand printers. What experience, if any, do you have with Maricopa's ballot on demand printing technology? Yeah, so. Uh, Maricopa County uses what is called Centio ballot on demand system. Uh, as I had previously stated, when I worked for the state of California, uh, the California was the first in the nation uh, to certify ballot on demand printers, one of which um, what, that I had tested and overseen the certification of was the Centio ballot on demand technology. Um, I have also uh, worked with, tested, and or certified uh, or overseen the certification um, of all three major providers of ballot-on-demand technology. And Mr. Macias, just to clarify, when you say that um, you worked on certifying the ballot-on-demand printer in California, that's, un that's under California state law requirement, not federal law requirements or Arizona law requirement, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So as I had stated, this was in my role as a California entity. I was certifying on behalf of and for use in the state of California. Okay. Can you tell us what comprises a ballot on demand system? Yeah. So generally a ballot on demand system is a standalone system. Again, not part of the EMS, not part of the voting system. It is a standalone computer that is running an application, the ballot on demand application or software 
um, and is attached to a printer. Um, and, and it's just those three components. And can you explain how Maricopa County's ballot on demand system interacts with the EMS? Yeah, as, as mentioned, uh, the Cintio system, uh, as used in, in Maricopa County, is a standalone system. Um, it does not directly in any way interact with the voting system or the election management system. Uh, the ballot on demand, uh, laptop and printer are sent out to in-person, uh, voting locations. And, uh, on those laptops are those ballot definition files, as I had talked about, or the ballot PDFs. Um, and so the only interaction is the upload uh, of a document onto that computer. It would be very similar to me providing you with a copy of my CV, as we had talked about earlier, um, and and then you putting it onto your computer. Okay, so if the ballot PDF file contained an image um, with a 19-inch ballot in it, what would you expect to see when this ballot is printed in a different location? So if the ballot definition file had contained a 19-inch ballot in it, um, so this is the ballot definition file created at the EMS, then I would anticipate to see that ballot style or ballot styles um, that have a 19-inch ballot in it to be printed on a 19, to be printed at a scale of 19 inches, regardless of where they were printed. So for early ballots that were printed by the vendor, you would see a 19-inch ballot. Uh, if it was printed on demand, you would see a 19-inch ballot um, or wherever this would be printed uh, because the file itself was a 19-inch ballot. You would see it across the board uh, in every location. Did you listen to the testimony from plaintiff's witness, Mr. Clay Parikh, um yesterday and review? Just did you listen to the testimony, Mr. Macias? Yes, I did. Um, Mr. Park testified that ballots he inspected contained 19-inch ballot images that were printed on 20-inch ballot paper and that the only way this would have could have happened was through data manipulation or some sort of other action in the election management system. Based on your expertise and with voting systems and with ballot-on-demand systems, um, does this sound accurate to you? Hold on, Mr. Macias, before you answer that. You can't see the full courtroom, Mr. Olson. Yes, Your Honor, I object because that, that mischaracterizes Mr. Parikh's testimony. He specifically said there were two. Wait, I don't need you to repeat that. I'm going to sustain that what you're asking for, Ms. Dahl, is you can ask him a hypothetical, but if you're going to state the testimony precisely that you want him to use as, as uh, factors in consideration, uh, based on somebody else's testimony, um, I'd rather have you stated as just a hypothetical, asking him to assume certain, certain things, and then he can offer his opinion. Thank you, Your Honor. I can do that. Um, Mr. Macias, if a 19-inch ballot image were somehow printed on 20-inch ballot paper, um, would you... In your, based on your expertise and your experience with voting systems and ballot on demand systems, um, would you conclude that the only way this can happen is through data manipulation or some other interference with the election management system? No. As a matter of fact, as I had stated, uh, you know, based on 
what I have heard in the testimony or uh, on my expertise is if that were the case, we would have seen or Maricopa County would have seen every ballot of that ballot style or styles printed on a 19 inch ballot. Because again, the ballot PDF file um, would have contained that image with a 19 inch ballot on it. The an analogy would be if I created a document with a typographical error on it and I provided that to you and then you and five other people printed out that document, that typographical error would be on all five um, printouts. And so uh, it could, uh, it, it, if it happened on the EMS, then we would have seen this at full scale. So based on your ex- expertise um, and assuming that some ballots were printed with a shrunken image or a 19-inch image on 20-inch ballot paper, what are possible reasons why this could occur based on your experience and expertise? Yeah, so specifically for a 19-inch ballot uh, image being printed on a 20-inch piece of paper, um, there's a few different scenarios in which that could have happened. Uh, one of which is, you know, as I was listening to Mr. Jared's testimony a little while ago with the shrink to fit, this could have shrunken it down to a smaller scale. I don't know necessarily whether or not that would be down to a 19 inch scale, but it could have shrunken it down to a smaller scale on 20 inch paper. In terms of 19 inch scale specifically, um, it can be through settings in the ballot on demand application. It could be on the operating system, uh, for instance, Windows on the uh, ballot on demand laptop. Um, it could also be that um, this was completely unintentional because as Mr. Jarrett had testified yesterday in the August primary, they used a 19 inch ballot. If um, a one of the ballot on demand printers or a subset of ballot on demand printers had unintentionally not been upgraded or updated to say that the paper size was a 20 inch ballot and therefore it remained at a 19 inch ballot scale, the system would have thought that it needed to print on a 19 inch piece of paper. So that is another opportunity whereby this could have occurred. And did you hear Mr. Jarrett's testimony just now today um, about another possible explanation for this issue? I did. And does that sound, based on your experience, is that also a reasonable or possible explanation? Yes, that is a reasonable and possible situation. Uh, That was the shrink to fit one that I was uh, referring to. Thank you. Um, And based on your experience and expertise uh, and your familiarity with Maricopa County's processes, are you aware of or can you tell us what would happen to a ballot um, that a tabulator could not scan because of a either print to fit issue or a faintly printed timing mark? What would happen to those ballots? Yeah, so those ballots, um, first and foremost, uh, would be counted. They would ultimately be counted because... uh, as elections, 
uh, are resilient. We have processes in place to be able to ensure that every voter's uh, ballot is counted and cast as intended. And so the elections procedures manual has a process that allows for a ballot that cannot be scanned, whether this because of a shrink to fit issue, a torn uh, ballot or another issue um, where a timing mark cannot be read or the scanner cannot read the ballot to set up a ballot duplication board. The ballot duplication board would thereby uh, mark another ballot with the voters' votes as intended and then scan and tabulate that alternate ballot. Thank you. Um, if... Based on your experience and expertise, uh, do you believe that the election day printer issues that occurred in Maricopa County during the November 8, 2022 general election could not be accidental or inadvertent? Uh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I have seen issues like this occur, uh, in elections. Um, elections have issues that happen, but they are naturally resilient. And elections officials are risk managers, are naturally risk managers. So they have processes in place um, to ensure that every uh, valid voter's vote is counted and cast accurately. Um, and so uh, in situations whereby I have seen things like this, it is typically created by a machine malfunction, um, and this would be basically just the equipment breaking down, just as your car breaks down or any piece of equipment can break down. It is conduct. It is because of human error. A human made a mistake, such as switching a setting when they should not uh, have, and or uh, just being you know tired at the end of the day and miscounting something. Um, or by something that is outside the purview of the election official, like weather issues, um, humidity issues, and other things that can occur. And so uh, although it is rare that something like this occur, uh, in all of the instances that I am aware of, they were accidental or unintentional. Um, okay, thank you, Mr. Macias. We're going to move on from the ballot on demand printer discussion and talk a little bit about chain of custody issues. Um, do you have any experience with ballot chain of custody and security procedures? Uh, yeah, I do. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with ballot chain of custody procedures? Yeah. Uh, in my role, uh, as a, as a consultant to the federal government, uh, I have uh, developed and worked on um, and tr uh, developed products and uh, performed trainings on uh, secure practices in uh, election infrastructure. And these include practices such as ballot chain of custody, ballot reconciliation, uh, as well as auditing um, those processes as well. Furthermore, when I was in um, the Secretary of State of California in the role uh, in OVSTA, uh, I was the technical lead on what was called Senate Bill 450. And this was the implementation of ballot drop boxes and vote centers. Um, and one of the things that we did was implement the security process for transporting ballots uh, from a ballot drop box to um, a central tabulation location. 
um, and all of the security around that. Um, so uh, I have worked with uh, chain of custody and ballot reconciliation. Thank you. Uh, do you do you recall hearing testimony yesterday, including from um, Maricopa County Recorder Stephen Richer, about the fact that the number of early ballots dropped off at vote centers on election day are not counted at the vote center, but rather they're transported to MECTEC, the central count facility, in a secure, sealed, and tamper-evident container? Yes, I did. And um, do you have any kind of – do you have concerns – that this practice, um, based on your experience and expertise, raises chain of custody um, concerns or violates chain of custody requirements? No. As, as a matter of fact, um, if you were to look at kind of industry standards uh, in the election infrastructure community um, and across um, jurisdictions, one of the ways to ensure chain of custody is to put into place both protective and detective measures on the ballot box themselves. Um, and so a protective measure would be to lock the ballot box. A detective measure would be to implement some sort of tamper evidence, whether that be a seal, a tamper evident lock, a tamper evident tape, uh, placing, placing it in a banker's bag uh, or, or something that would detect if something had gone awry. And to ensure that the protective and detective measures of that transport case itself and all of the contents within uh, are transferred from one location to another. Then when it is received at a central location, then you would, again, validate those protective and detective measures. Then you would open up the ballot box and do your count at that time ensuring that everything contained within those transport boxes was protected um, and, and you can validate that through the detective measures. So this is not only a process for early and in-person uh, vote ballots. As a matter of fact, many jurisdictions who do all central count for election day voting, where they do not do tabulation in precinct, so they don't have a precinct tabulator that the voter places their ballot in, rather the voter places their ballot in a ballot box, they also utilize these types of uh, chain of custody practices as well. So based on your 17 years of experience and expertise with election administration and election security, do you see any security or chain of custody problems with the practice of not counting the number of early ballots at the vote center? I do not. Um, and based on your experience and expertise, are you aware of any jurisdictions where solely because a chain of custody form on a batch of ballots is not completely filled out or missing for that reason alone, that all ballots in that batch must be invalidated? No, as a matter of fact, that would be disenfranchising of voters um, because these are voters who have the eligibility um, and they have been authorized to submit a ballot packet. They've received a ballot packet. They've taken the time and the effort to go through the process and do everything that they, the voter, needs to do. They've crossed their T's. They've dotted their I's. And so um, to go and throw out their ballots because of an administrative paperwork error that was most likely unintentional by a poll worker or uh, election worker who has already worked a 16 hour day would in essence be telling that voter 
that something that is outside of their control, even though they have done everything that is necessary to register, to be authenticated, and to cast their ballot, is now going to be thrown out because of an administrative paperwork error. Thank you, Mr. Macias. No further questions, Your Honor. Cross-exam. Yes, Your Honor. You can, either way, you can sit there or you can come up to the podium, whichever is more. Thank you, Your Honor. And I apologize for not standing earlier. I think my brain is falling asleep. Mr. Blam, that no, was, you uh, don't apologize for that. All right. I have, uh, can I use the Elmo, please? Good afternoon, Mr. Macias. How are you doing? Uh, Place the document on the Elmo. I believe it's titled Mitigating Risk Chain of Custody, written January 5th, 2022. And I believe it's got your name on it. Did you, uh, did you prepare this or have someone prepare it at your request? And I will, I will attest to you, Mr. Macias, this document, I believe, was downloaded off of your website with absolutely no changes. This appear to be your PowerPoint presentation. I have provided uh, a PowerPoint presentation with that title, yes. I'm turning now to page three. Under highlights, impacts, and risks from a broken chain of custody. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, sorry, I'm having a hard time. Thank you for zooming in. Yep. All right, point one says the integrity of the system and its data will be deemed untrustworthy. Did I read that correctly? Yes. Point two, a court of law can render the system and data inadmissible. Did I read that correctly? That is correct. Point three, inability to definitively determine if an actor has manipulated your system or data. Did I read that correctly? That is correct. Thank you very much. Uh, really quickly, do administrative errors, Mr. Macias, generally impact 298,000 ballots? Yes or no? I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time hear, hearing. Do administrative errors generally impact 90 or 298,000 ballots? Um, I, I don't know what you mean by impact. You said uh, general administrative error shouldn't allow ballots to be thrown out. Okay, if chain of custody is not valid for 298,000 ballots, is that a simple administrative error? Yes or no? Objection, Your Honor. Foundation calls for speculation. He's asking a hypothetical. No, hypothetical. Nothing's a simple question. You're asking a hypothetical. Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Macias, if you understand the question, sir, and you can answer it, please answer it. If you don't understand, we can have a rephrase, sir. Yeah, can, it, can I get it rephrased, please? All right. If 298,000 ballots did not have valid chain of custody, would that be a simple administrative error? Uh, missing a piece of information on a piece of paper uh, would not invalidate the chain of custody if the protective and detective right, measures you, were still in place. And so yes or no to that question? Yes or no? Do administrative errors routinely impact 298,000 ballots delivered at different times throughout the day to different locations? Objection, you're on. Objection, foundation. I'll just, I'll withdraw that. I want to save some of our time. I've just got one more question to ask. 
Go ahead. Mr. Macias, did I hear you testify when you were talking about your background and experience that you were hired by Katie Hobbs and the Secretary of State's office to do Arizona's logic and accuracy testing for the 2022 election? If I use the word hired, then I misstated and I would like to correct the record. I was retained to be an expert observer um, and I did that at no cost and was not hired um, to do so. I did it on a pro bono basis. Thank you. That's it. I'm done. Your Thank you. Redirect. Just one question. Um, Mr. Macias, going back to the PowerPoint presentation that Mr. Blem showed to you, can we pull that or I'll put it on the elbow? Can you see that, Mr. Macias? I can. Uh, Mr. Blem read to you that bottom bullet that says highlights impacts and risks from a broken chain of custody. Um, the integrity of the system and its data will be deemed untrustworthy. And then the below two bullets. Is that yeah. about ballots? So this is general chain of custody of critical infrastructure systems. And again, this is about integrity of the system uh, and its data. And so typically when we're talking about the system, it can be a manual process, um, but it can also be a technology, but it is not specific to ballots in this situation. Again, the doc, it is coming from a document that is general for critical infrastructure systems. And would you consider a missing date or on a chain of custody form, a missing signature from one of the three board members that transported a missing date or on a chain of custody form, a missing signature from one of the three board members that transported the, the container, the secure container or even a missing form um, in one step of the process, a total break in the chain of custody? No, as I had mentioned, that would be an administrative error, um, and the chain of custody can still be ma maintained through the protective and detective measures that are implemented. Thank you, Mr. Macias. No further questions, Your Honor. Can the witness be excused? Yes. Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Macias, thank you, sir. You're excused. Thank you. I believe you told me that was your last witness, yes, sir. Ms. Dahl. Is that true with all defendants? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Defendants rest? Are there any exhibits that you're missing that you need before I have you rest? No, Your Honor. Thank you. Okay. So defendants have rested? Yes, Your Honor. Anything further? I think... I would just have one point of clarification, Your Honor, because based upon our accounts, they are out of time. <laughs> Approximately three minutes ago, Your Honor. I'd have to add up the last bit here. So oh, you're just pointing it out for my edification. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, do you want me to add it up? Um, 
You're all happy to provide our estimates as well. That would be helpful to the court. I don't, I don't want to waste a bunch of time. I don't want to waste three minutes. Yeah, and, I don't want to waste. And I think I've, I've tried to give you all as much. I, I understand, Your Honor. I don't want to waste this court's time. So I appreciate that. So are, are we, so that concludes all the presentation of evidence and testimony. And we're ready to go to closing. Is that right? Uh, that would be correct, Your Honor. 40. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have something? Uh, I wasn't sure what John was thinking. I would just ask for five minutes before to, for a break to prepare for closing. We can, well, five minutes is not preparing for closing. What you're really referring to is a biological break, <laughs> right? And I am not opposed to that for either okay. side. We were going to stipulate to that, Your Honor. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Blunt. Okay. Why don't we come back then at 22, okay? And we'll resume with closing. It'll be... 15, 20, and 5, correct? All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, all right, all right. So that was freaking epic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we got a little break here. Of course, I'm going to give a little commentary. So Ryan Messias is like a notorious Democrat, uh, deep state operative. If you guys remember, when Pennsylvania tried to do an audit, this guy was the guy that Dominion said was the only guy that they would authorize to audit their machines. Okay, so that's one strike. Now, I found, I found it hilarious that this guy's listing his credentials. And I guess according to Democrats and idiots, his credentials make him seem like a credible expert. But when you say that you uh, are a consultant for CISA, the Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency that said the 2020 election was the safest and most secure election in American history, and you think that that makes you credible, <laughs> to, to me, makes you sound like an idiot. Okay, so he also was the former director of the EAC, uh, which is another strike against him. And uh, as soon as he as soon as he started talking, Brian Blem, the attorney for Kerry Lake, called him out for reading a script. And he was clearly reading from something the entire time. Uh, his eyes were darting back and forth. Anytime he was answering, he was looking one way. Anytime there was a question asked, he was looking another way. But uh, apparently, you know, there's no way to prove that. But I think he got it on the record that <laughs> this guy's definitely reading from something. Now, <clears throat> first they talked about the ballot style, 19-inch, 20-inch thing. And I found it interesting that the guy said that, you know, if there was a 19-inch ballot style, excuse me, ballot style created, and it was on the EMS, then you wouldn't see what happened on Election Day. Uh, you wouldn't have some ballots being printed at 19 and some ballots being printed at 20. It would have happened all across the board, effectively ruling out this notion that there was a 20, uh, a 19 inch ballot style. Uh, and, and okay, that actually makes sense. That makes sense to me. But let's remember, Clay Parikh said there's two possibilities. Either there was a 20 inch ballot, uh, a 19 inch ballot style created 
or there was manipulation at the ballot-on-demand printer level where somebody with administrative access were to override the 20-inch ballot image and make it 19. And he said that that was something you would have to have administrative access to do. And so it's almost as if this uh, expert, you know, Ryan Messias, sort of lended credibility to the second possibility. Um, and so it, it appears that, yes, it, it would make sense that there was a manip- manipulation at the ballot on demand settings level, right? And I want to also point out and remind you guys that we've had Eric Spikine, world-renowned paper expert, on this show. And he explained that in the 2020 election during the audit process, he discovered 25,000 ballots that were printed using a non-official Dominion PDF file. Uh, meaning these were counterfeit ballots. Meaning that somebody either created a fake document to print uh, fake ballots or somebody were, was able to hack into the EMS. And we know that the EMS hooks up to the internet. So um, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think that it, it's appearing that maybe somebody hacked in because we know that there's a laptop that hooks up to the the uh, the ballot on demand printers and somebody could hack into that laptop easily and change the settings or change the ballot style size from 20 inches to 19 inches. So I, I think that... uh. This attempt from Ryan Messias to discredit Clay Perique's testimony was an utter failure, at least to anybody who's knowledgeable enough and paying attention to this entire trial all the way through, which I hope the judge has done. Now, um, the, now here's where it got funny and it got interesting. This dude got freaking body slammed by Brian Blem, Carrie Lake's attorney. <laughs> so, so the the county attorney had him on the stand, and they said. Uh, basically, do you think that um, what happened with the with the ballots that were dropped off on Election Day not being counted at the vote center would be um, a, a chain of custody issue that should render this election uh, invalidated? And he said, no, absolutely not. In fact, that would be uh, that would be a horrible thing because, well, these voters that casted their ballot, they did their due diligence they dotted their eyes, they crossed their T's to cast their ballot. And we wouldn't want to discredit their uh we wouldn't want to throw out their votes because that would that would be unfair to them. Ignoring the fact that if you have a bunch of fraudulent ballots in an election, that that discounts and dilutes the vote of everybody else who casted a legal ballot. But besides that, you have this uh this thing that happened where Brian Blem was like Okay. All right. So that's your testimony. Well, so I went on your, on your, your website and I pulled this, uh, this PowerPoint presentation that you created. Is this, this is your PowerPoint presentation, right? And he was like, yeah. Okay. Well, this PowerPoint presentation right here talks about chain of custody issues and your own words were that if there's a, a a chain of custody, um, uh, if there's an issue with chain of custody, it, it, it invalidates the validity of the evidence right and so he basically showed in his own words that his testimony was complete and utter bullshit bullshit okay you know he was he was full of shit and he also pointed out brian blem pointed out that he was hired by katie hobbs to be part of the logic and accuracy test 
So here's your expert witness with a clear bias. And these experts are not supposed to be biased. And Ryan Messiah said, oh, I wasn't hired. I was retained. I was working pro bono. You know, I, I was doing it completely voluntarily. Oh, so you mean Katie Hobbs wanted you in, to be part of the process and you have no affinity for Katie Hobbs here? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Come on. So Brian Blim, literally it was, I'm, I'm listening to this and I feel like I'm watching a freaking like a title fight between uh, Mike Tyson and freaking Pee Wee Herman. This is, this is enter, pure entertainment. I'm loving every second of it. And guys, we should be back up in just a sec. So I'm going to ask you to please smash the rumble button and subscribe to this channel. You know, it's been a freaking marathon. I don't know how, how, I don't know if you guys are popping in and out, but I'm not. I've been listening for freaking 48 hours straight trying to give you guys commentary, summarize each, each event here. And so we're going to be going into the closing statements. All of the witness, uh, we're, we're done with witnesses. We're done with exhibits. We're done with evidence and we are going to closing statements. So this should be concluding here very soon. I'm not sure how long the closing statements will be, but, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. Man, I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, <clears throat> see, I, I know I can see right through the county's arguments. I can see right through their witnesses bullshit. But I wonder if this judge can, and and there's no way for me to tell. Roy says Pee Wee would kick Tyson's ass. Don't even play with me. Don't even play, because because uh, Mike Tyson will bite his freaking ear off. It'd be over in a sec. It'd be over in a second. So, anyways, like I like like I was saying, I don't know if this judge is picking up on the things that I am. I don't know if he's seeing the contradictions between the testimony uh, and the the evidence that's been presented. I don't know if he's seeing that the 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 county the the co director yesterday said that <clears throat> if there was if there there was there was no nineteen inch ballot style and if there was nineteen inch ballots that would be a failure of the process. And then today say oh it was because of shrink to fit and we knew about this. For weeks, I mean, we've of course we knew about shrink to fit. Of course, we know about shrink to fit, which completely contradict it, it contradicts his testimony from yesterday. I'm hoping the judge is picking up on this stuff. You know, all right, we're back up. Telling testimony from Smash Mr. Jarrett like, today, subscribe, baby. It it I'm just doesn't out. make sense, and I'll say why. And this is in terms of whether when we showed. Through the inspection of ballots, a random selection of ballots from six, six voting centers, not three, six. Mr. Parikh found evidence, ballots that had 19-inch images imprinted on them on 20-inch sized paper. He found that in all six vote centers that were randomly selected. Mr. Jarrett yesterday testified under oath when he was asked that could it happen or did it happen that a 19-inch image was imprinted on a 20-inch piece of paper, and he testified no. And not only that, his counsel, Mr. Liddy, went with the shrink-to-fit excuse, and he never said, oh, yeah, that's what happened. We've known about this since shortly after the election, and we're doing a root cause analysis. 
None of this, it, it doesn't make sense. Another thing that doesn't make sense, they're doing a root cause analysis now, yet he says that, well, this has happened in three prior elections. Why are you doing a root cause analysis on this if, if this same event, this shrink to fit issue arose in three prior elections? Yes, Kurt is killing it, man. The other thing that doesn't make sense about this shrink to fit excuse is that it's illegal under Arizona law to modify a ballot after it's been set. You, you just can't do that. And they're saying that it happened not only in this election, but in three prior elections. It just doesn't make sense, Your Honor. The other thing that doesn't make sense is that somehow, and you heard Mr. Macias, he kind of equivocated on this shrink to fit argument about whether you could get it to exactly 19 inches. So all of a sudden, there are supposedly techs that are running around making modifications on election day, which, by the way, has happened in three prior elections, and they're all getting it to exactly 19 inches for shrink to fit. Random text just kind of doing things on their own. This doesn't make sense, Your Honor. And I'm actually troubled to even be talking about this. The idea that when I questioned Mr. Jarrett about this issue, and he said unequivocally it could not happen, and his counsel then trying to clean this up said, well, what about, you know, shrink to fit, that he didn't immediately say, yeah, that was it, when he's supposedly known about it since shortly after the election? It doesn't make sense, Your Honor. The same thing with respect to the conflicting testimony regarding the, whether it's chaos or massive disruption that occurred on Election Day with, you know, 200 plus declarants. Uh, you have uh, Mr. Barris, who, who's doing exit polls and talking to people on Election Day, news reports. You have um, other witnesses, Mr. Sonnenclair, who testified that they visited he and his fellow roving observers went to 115 vote centers, the same thing. So you have independent sources talking about massive chaos at well over 50 plus percent, about 59 percent. By the county's own admission, it would be 30, about a third, 70 vote centers. Or as council has been and their witnesses have been saying up here, yeah, these are just kind of minor, te minor technical difficulties that you expect in every election. It, it, it's not even close. I mean, there's, I mean, it's like, two ships passing in the night. The fact that they would downplay what happened on election day that everybody knows. I think the word that came out, I read a couple months ago was gaslighting. And that's like telling you to your face what you know is not true and what they know you know is not true, but they're going to tell you anyway. This, the, the disconnect here is, is very troubling. We, we put on sworn testimony, either on the stand or through sworn declarations, people who put their name and it be, and made it public in a time in our country when to put yourself out as they did is not exactly something that doesn't carry risk.
And I'm sure you've heard about cancel culture and everything else. There were hundreds of people who came to tell the truth about what happened on Election Day. And even uh, Supervisor Gates, you know, early on in the election, uh, when he was giving a press conference, characterized it as chaos. And then on November 28th, they have a, an update. And it's like, yeah, I think the election was run pretty well. It's like the story just kind of shifted. This, not, th- this just doesn't happen, Your Honor. We have independent sources that say Election Day was chaotic and was a mess. And it absolutely disenfranchised voters. There were long lines everywhere. And we put forward specific, compelling evidence that of quantifiable shifts in votes through Mr. Barris, a range of 15,000 to 29,000 votes, Republican votes. And he said that was a conservative estimate. The defendants put up this expert from the University of Wisconsin. And his bias, for one thing, was completely obvious. But he had to admit that the county, which bases its whole election plan on modeling turnout, they had a high model of 290,000 projected for uh, 2022 with a low model of 250,000. And as you heard testimony, that low model didn't was was uh, performed prior to the election, as it must, and it did not account for any kind of election day chaos. So that was a perfect election, just with a little bit lower turnout. In a time when everybody knew Republican turnout on election day, because even as counsel repeatedly said, you know, Republican leaders were telling people to not vote by mail and to come out on election day. And guess what? They did. And then just so happened that pandemonium ensued. And whether you believe it's a shrink to fit allegation in three vote centers, when we know we have direct evidence that it's in all six, six of the six that Mr. Parikh inspected had that same 19-inch ballot image imprinted on a 20-inch piece of paper. There's no doubt that that caused mayhem. There's no doubt that it caused long lines. You have this professor from University of Wisconsin who comes out and says, well, I looked at the wait time data from Maricopa County, and you know it says that the wait lines weren't that bad. Well, we have sworn testimony and charts in the record that shows they're far more. And Maricopa County has has repeatedly downplayed and said that, you know, as pretty pretty well run election, Your Honor. It doesn't make sense. You don't get this kind of disconnect. I've never seen anything like this. All the witnesses, people who come up testifying on behalf of plaintiffs have nothing to gain. They have nothing to gain by coming forward to testify about this. And then you have the defendant's witnesses come up and tell a completely different story. Like I said, it's just like two different worlds. On chain of custody, Mr. Richer admitted they estimated the amount of ballots that come into MTech, that they don't know the count. Well, ARS 16621E says you will maintain chain of custody every step of the way. And the form that is filled out, that EVBT form, has a number for the ballots, the number of ballots in the drop boxes. They know the precise number. But now the excuse has shifted. 
well, yeah, we don't count them at MTech. When they go to Runbeck, we have employees there. Even though they're dropping them off at MTech, and as Leslie White in her declaration testified to, the trucks are coming in, they're cutting seals, they're throwing these ballots and take, taking them out of the bins and throwing them in trays, and nobody's counting the ballots. Nobody's taking the form that's with them and counting the ballots. Now, they've having heard this testimony, they've come up and said, Mr. Jarrett came up today and said, well, when they're shipped up to run back to be processed because they're still in the envelopes and they're scanning the envelopes, well, yeah, we, we count them up there. Well, that makes no sense. They have taken those ballots out of the bins and delivered them to MTEC on election day. And we're talking about ballots that are delivered on election day. They take them out. When the trucks get up to the ramp, they take them out of the bins. They break the seals. They're supposed to count them. If you don't have a count from MTEC when those ballots are being transported to Runbeck, how do you know whether that that count is secure? They didn't follow the law. And by the way, we have a manifestation which still is unexplained. On November 9th, the reported count is 25,000 ballots less, which is beyond the margin here. Then on November 10th, so the day after the election, they don't, they put out what the count is, and then magically 25,000 ballots appear on November 10th, and, well, hey, that's the race. It doesn't make sense. This is just flat wrong, what is going on here. The law is there for a reason. The law is there to protect the integrity of the vote, and they're quote from a Wisconsin Supreme Court decision that came out in July 2022 that I, and I just want to read, Your Honor, when, and this was just about drop boxes. And so the issue here in Wisconsin was whether or not the Wisconsin Election Commission, which said, hey, we're going to go with unmanned drop boxes, and the statute said no unmanned drop boxes, but they did it anyway. And so it went up to the Supreme Court, or the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And here is what the Wisconsin Supreme Court stated, and I'll just, you know, drop boxes are not that sexy and chain of custody is not, you know, but these are incredibly important issues to ensure the integrity of the vote. This is about trust. This is the people who are watching this. Is, this whole thing is being televised and they're hearing two different stories. And th- this is, this is what the Wisconsin, three justices on the Wisconsin Supreme Court stated in this opinion and the opinion is Teagan v. Wisconsin's Election Commission. The right to vote presupposes the rule of law governs elections. If elections are conducted outside the law, the people have not conferred their consent on the government. Such elections are unlawful and their results are illegitimate. And they have a quote from John Adams that follows. If an election can be procured by a party through artifice or corruption, the government may be the choice of a party for its own ends, not of the nation for the national good. The testimony that this court heard today from the plaintiff side was compelling, it was truthful, and it made sense. The testimony that your honor respectfully heard today from the defendants 
doesn't make sense. What Mr. Jarrett did on that stand today doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. Three voting centers, we found this, shrink to fit. Mr. Parikh, I inspected six vote centers. A well-run election, pandemonium chaos from different sources. Everything corroborates, Your Honor, what we, what the evidence that we have put forward is corroborative with respect to the violations of law, the intentional uh, misconduct with respect to the malfunctions and the tabulators, and to the violations of the chain of custody rules. This is about trust, Your Honor. It's about restoring people's trust. There's not a person that's watching this thing that isn't shaking their head right now. And with that, Your Honor, I'll sit back. How do the defendants want to break up their time? Your Honor, I'm going to try to keep mine at about 15 to 17 minutes and leave the remainder of the time for Mr. Liddy. You all right with that, Mr. Liddy? Fair contest, Your Honor. Very well. Thank you, Your Honor. Just three days ago, Carrie Lake's lawyer stood in this room and made a promise. Having filled 70 pages of a complaint with grandiose tales of electoral malfeasance, they asked the court to give them a chance to prove their case at trial. Underpinning that argument was the implied promise that they would come to court to trial with something, with anything, to justify Ms. Lake's decision to call on a court of law to give her a victory that the voters of Arizona had denied her. Carrie Lake asked this court to give her the opportunity to make good on that promise, and the court did just that. It gave her the opportunity to move beyond mere allegations and speculations and accusations and bring to light the factual bases for her claims and the actual evidence to prove them. This court not only provided a forum for her to establish her claims, but also set up a clear roadmap for how to do it in its order from earlier this week. Carrie Lake and her lawyers knew what they had to do at this trial, and three days ago, they knew the hand that they had to play. They knew the evidence they had, and they knew the evidence they didn't. This was their big moment to show their hand. But the only thing that has come to light over the last day and a half, everyone waiting with bait breath to see the big reveal behind these claims, is that they never had the evidence to back them up. I'd like, like to walk briefly through what Ms. Lake needed to do to prevail on her claims and what she actually proved at this trial. As to count two, on pages six to seven of its order from earlier this week, the court ruled that plaintiff must show at trial that the BOD printer malfunctions were intentional and directed to affect the results of the election and that such actions did actually affect the outcome. Plaintiff established none of this. Plaintiff's star witness was Clay Parikh, a purported cybersecurity expert. Mr. Parikh drafted a report in preparation of this case in which he cited everything from Twitter posts to unsigned declarations to provide a host of theories about all the things that could possibly have gone wrong on Election Day. Nothing in the report or any of its exhibits was, was offered into the record. And instead, by the time he took this stand yesterday, he was sure he had smoked out the problem. According to Mr. Parikh, in some vote centers, there are 19-inch ballot images printed on 20-inch paper, which is what caused the tabulation issues at Election Day. 
Mr. Parikh also testified that the only possible explanation for those Election Day errors is intentional interference in the system. It simply could not have happened by accident. There are more than a few flaws with Mr. Parikh's analysis, Your Honor, but for the sake of expediency, I'll focus here only on three. First, despite Mr. Parikh's newfound certainty, there's reason to doubt that the 19-inch, 20-inch discrepancy was the root cause of all of the printer issues. Plaintiff's own witness, Bradley Betancourt, a T-Tech on Election Day, testified that restarting the printer and shaking the cartridge helped the printer problem significantly at some locations, neither of which would have shifted paper margins. Second, even if Mr. Parikh had put his finger on the tech issue that happened on Election Day, the mere identification of the cause does not indicate that it was the result of the int- of an intent to alter the election. To the contrary, the testimony from plaintiff's own witness, Mr. Betancourt, indicated that the county had deployed employees to fix the problem and in many instances was were successful. Mr. Jarrett, one of the co-directors of the elections, testified based on his office's investigation that the printer settings were likely adjusted by the T-Techs who were trying to fix the printer problems. They did not create 19-inch ballots in the system but, but rather, the, they caused ballots to be printed with a fit-to-paper setting in some locations. And Mr. as Mr. Macias just testified, in his experience, these kinds of widespread tech failures are, or tech issues are usually the result of equipment failures or some other administrative error beyond the purview of election officials and are specifically accounted for in the many layers of redundancies within the system to assure the security of the election. Neither Mr. Parikh nor anyone else has provided any evidentiary basis to call into question the good faith of of Maricopa County election officials, which is presumed in this election contest. Third, even if Mr. Parikh had uncovered some malicious intent to alter the ballot margins, he failed to demonstrate that this had any actual impact on the outcome of the election. To the contrary, he admitted that any ballot that was not able to be read by a tabulator would have been duplicated and that those duplicates would have been counted. Mr. Jarrett testified that of the three locations identified with issues of shrunken images on ballots, the total number of affected ballots was less than 1,300, a far cry from the outcome determinative number. And these ballots were located, went to a bipartisan adjudication board process, duplicated, and ultimately successfully tabulated. Plaintiff also called Mr. Sonoclar, a roving attorney from the RNC. Mr. Sonoclar testified about his observations on election day, long lines and frustrated voters who didn't want to put their ballots in in door three. Mr. Sonoclar offered his opinion that there had been some wrongdoing and that Carrie Lake should have won. But the only evidence he could point to in support was, quote, common sense. When asked if he had any personal knowledge of either claim, he admitted he did not. Plaintiff's final witness on count two was Mr. Barris this morning. He was the one person who was who might be able to say whether this purported misconduct actually affected the outcome of the election. But this morning's testimony from Mr. Barris and Dr. Mayer lays bare the numerous reasons why Mr. Barris's analysis lacks any merit. Mr. Barris's outfit big data polls, has been thoroughly discredited. He only polled people who said they actually voted, yet drew conclusions about people who didn't vote. 
His conclusions were based not actually on the responses to his poll, but on his assumptions of all of the people who chose not to respond to his poll. According to Mr. Barris, quote, I can observe them by their absence. Even if there were any conceivably scientific basis for this polling method, you don't have to be a mathematician to detect the fundamental flaws in his math. He opines that if there had been 2.5% more voters and all those voters voted on election day, then some of those voters would have voted for Carrie Lake and then Carrie Lake would have won the election. Mr. Barris plucked this figure out of thin air. He admitted neither his forecast nor his poll provide evidence that 2.5% or any other specific number of voters stayed home as a result of tabulation issues or anything else. Even putting aside the fact, that fact, Mr. Barris pulled a sleight of hand with his calculations. He assumed that all 2.5% of those voters would have the same voting patterns as Election Day voters, even though the vast majority of Maricopa voters voted early and had different voting patterns. He also admitted that by Election Day, 1.3 million Maricopa voters had already cast their ballots. So for Carrie Lake to come close to closing that 17,000 vote deficit, she didn't need 2.5% more voters to vote on Election Day. She needed at least 16% more voters. In other words, Mr. Barris admitted that for his speculations to come close to changing the election, one out of every six voters who planned to vote on Election Day would have had to stay home as a result of tabulator issues. But Mr. Barris admitted that his poll provided no information about the number of voters that encountered a tabulator, tabulator issue or even the number of voters who encountered a line. Dr. Mayer, a respected expert who studies election administration for a living, whose testimony courts consistently rely upon, summed it up. Mr. Barris provided no evidence that any number of voters were disenfranchised by malfunctioning tabulators. In the end, not only is Mr. Barris's testimony not credible and nonsensical, it fails even on its own terms. That is the sum total of the evidence on count two, Your Honor. And what did it prove? A printer issue happened. It's unclear what that issue was and if it was the same issue everywhere. And some voters were upset about it. That's it. No evidence of any person with any intent to do anything let alone malicious intent to affect the election. No evidence that anyone didn't vote as a result, let alone that they were deprived of the right to vote. And not only did plaintiff provide no evidence whatsoever that any errors actually affected the outcome of the election, defendants provided affirmative evidence to the contrary. As to count four, this court wrote on pages eight to nine of its order that plaintiff must establish that a person under the control of Maricopa County committed misconduct in violation of state law that affected the outcome of the election. Here, plaintiff's star witness on chain of custody was Heather Honey. Ms. Honey is an interested bystander to Arizona election administration. She conceded that she has never taken the election officer certification course. She's never worked as an election official. She's never worked as a poll worker. She's never worked as even a poll observer. According to Ms. Honey, she has only sort of ever been to the McTech facility and has no personal information whatsoever about what happened at Runbeck or McTech on Election Day this year. 
Ms. Honey's testimony consisted of her personal understanding of Arizona law and the EPM, which this court has no reason to credit, and her retelling of information that a Runbeck employee and a McTech observer told her after the fact. Now, one might wonder why plaintiff chose to call Ms. Honey instead of the actual witnesses to the events she testified about, both of whom were on plaintiff's witness list and neither of whom they called. It may be because in their own in those declarations provided by Ms. Honey, these witnesses acknowledge the limitations of their own personal knowledge. According to the McTech observer, observer, uh, Leslie Marie, she did not have a clear view of the activities on the truck or on the dock and thus would not have seen any scanning or chain of custody documentation that occurred in those areas. And the Runback employee, Denise Marie, admitted that she saw about 50 ballots given to the sorting department by employees and that she left an hour before mail ballots even arrived at Runback. But even if the court were to assume the credibility of Ms. Honey's testimony, all it establishes is that she hoped to see certain chain of custody documentation that she did not receive from the county. Based on Ms. Honey's testimony and the voicemail that Mr. Blem seems to think has broken this case wide open, it appears that plaintiff's new theory is that Maricopa County has failed to comply with a PRR request in a timely fashion. Needless to say, that claim is not currently before this court, nor is it any basis for overturning an election. Plaintiff's chain of custody claim seems to hinge on this notion that perhaps some number of ballots were injected into the batches at Runbeck. Denise Marie's declaration states her belief that she knew, knew of approximately 50 ballots dropped off by Runbeck employees on behalf of their family members. Ms. Honey and plaintiff's counsel from there opine that for all we know, there could have been 50, 500, 50,000, 500,000 ballots injected at Runbeck. There are at least two fatal flaws in plaintiff's logic here. First of all, plaintiff's burden is to demonstrate that an actual number of votes were improperly counted and affected the outcome of the election. But Ms. Honey's testimony confirmed that any estimate of how many ballots are at issue in this chain of custody claim, quote, would be nothing but pure speculation. In short, Ms. Honey conceded that plaintiff could not meet her burden on this claim. Second of all, even if there were 50, 500, 500,000 ballots somehow injected into the process. Plaintiff has not established that a single one of those ballots was invalid or shouldn't have been counted, nor could they. Every ballot received by Maricopa County is processed, checked against the voter registration record to make sure the person hasn't already voted, and then verified by a multi-level signature review process. Even if this court were to indulge plaintiff's chain of custody speculations, there is no evidence or even reason to believe that it had any effect on the number of votes lawfully counted, let alone on the outcome of an election that Katie Hobbs won by over 17,000 votes. The claims plaintiff has advanced in this election, Your Honor, in this election contest, raise serious allegations intended to bring with them very serious consequences. But plaintiff's approach to this litigation has been anything but serious. Instead, plaintiff's record consists of hearsay upon hearsay upon hearsay, rank speculation, and a good dose of theatrics. In short, the trial record in this case reveals that there was never a case to begin with. 
On Monday, in arguing the motions to dismiss, I told the court that this was all just an elaborate story plaintiff was trying to tell, looking for the exciting plot twist. In allowing this contest to proceed to trial, this court gave Ms. Lake a chance to tell her story. And not just spin yarns, but the chance to actually point to evidence to stitch together a coherent narrative. What we got instead was just loose threads and gaping plot holes. We know now that her story was a work of fiction. And what we are left with today are the facts. And those facts are as follows. Carrie Lake lost this election and must lose this election contest. The reason she lost is not because of a printer error, not because of missing paperwork, not because the election was rigged against her, and certainly not for lack of a full opportunity to prove her claims in a court of law. Carrie Lake lost the election because, at the end of the day, she received fewer votes than Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs is the next governor. The people of Arizona said so. It is time to put this contest and these spurious claims to bed. Thank you, Your Honor. By my count, you got five minutes. Thank you, Most of this is just theatrics anyway. I'll just cut that out. <laughs> Much appreciated. Your Honor, I want to first touch on a couple of things that we just heard from Counselor Carrie Lake. Uh, cancel culture. I don't think that means what you think it means. Bias. Their star witness, Parikh, gives freebies to the prince of Stop the Steal. That's the pillow guy. That's bias. And we trust this court will be able to recognize true bias, perceived bias, and weigh and rule accordingly. Candidates are allowed to say anything they want out in the town common. And they'll be held responsible by the voters. Not true with lawyers who come in courtrooms in the state of Arizona. There's an obligation. Every lawyer is obligated to interview her, his or her clients, his or her witnesses, and make sure they know what they're going to say. And if it's not true, can't present it to the court. It's an ethical violation. And if what exists for their testimony is not enough to meet the burden. The case should not be brought. And so, Your Honor, once you rule, we will be back seeking ARS 12349 sanctions and Rule 11 sanctions. Maricopa County takes responsibility for the errors that occur in every election. In this particular election, November 8, 2022, there were a significant number of printer errors, a minority by, by far, but significant. And those did cause real inconvenience and heartache for a lot of people. Maricopa County acknowledges that. Those were election day operations under the Board of Supervisors, not the recorder. But those errors or those mishaps by machines, if you will, 
The effect that had on Election Day voters was compounded, Your Honor, not by intentional misconduct by any employee or anybody under the control of Maricopa County, but by months and months and months of communication from the current leadership of the Republican Party of Arizona and the communications specialists of the Cary Lake for Governor campaign that said, do not vote early. Even if you're on the pebble and you've got an early ballot, don't mail it. Don't drop it off the drop box. 2,000 mules. Bring in your car, maybe. Go on election day and vote on person. And Lord forbid, don't ever put your ballot in the drop box, in the ballot box, or in drawer number three. Because there's something very scary about drawer number three, which is nothing but a ballot box. It's what people all over the world do with their ballots. Vote it, stick it in the ballot box. But people were terrorized by that on Election Day. That's not on Maricopa County. That's on the Carrie Lake for Governor campaign. That's on the Dr. Kelly Ward-led Republican Party communications apparatus. So we did not see in two days of testimony and all those affidavits that came in evidence of a botched election. We saw evidence of a botched campaign, political malpractice. Who goes out and tells their voters, don't vote on vote on day one of voting, early voting, day two, day three, all the way up to day 26 of early voting. Wait to the last second. That's political malpractice. You reap what you sow. Your Honor, the burden has not been met. When people come into this courtroom without evidence, there should be a day of reckoning. And this has been happening all over the country, Your Honor, and it's got to stop. And it's got to stop right now. And the place to stop it is right here in your courtroom, Your Honor, right here in Mesa, Arizona. This has got to stop. we got to get back to respecting elections because that's all we have, Your Honor. Different religions, different creeds, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. There's only one thing that makes us Americans. And that's we believe in choosing our own election, our own rulers, our own governors, our own mayors, our own presidents. And we do that through elections. And because of our forefathers' experience, those elections are split up, the 50 different states and all the different counties. And the legislature makes the rules, the counties follow the rules, you you carry out the election, and you live with the results. If you lose, you live the fight another day. You don't go into court and spew conspiracy theories and spill sour grapes. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Wilson. I've heard conspiracy theories, rank speculation, uh, making up facts. You know what's not rank speculation or a work of fiction? The fact that there were 19-inch ballot images printed on 20-inch pieces of paper. And nobody talked about that until this trial. And nobody talked about a shrink-to-fit excuse for that until this trial, until Mr. Liddy got up here and asked Mr. Jared, and he denied that was the issue. And then he comes back today and says, well, yeah, I've known about that. It happened in three prior elections, and we're doing root cause analysis, and we and we figured this out, that this was the issue back in November. The 19-inch the ballot image printed on 20-inch paper is a fact. They've now admitted it. They just shifted the excuse for the cause of it. 
They tried to say, well, the T-Tech, Mr. Bentoncorp, contradicts it. No, he doesn't. Nobody knew what was going on with the printers. They were shaking printers. They were cleaning the tablet. They were doing all kinds of things because these printers weren't working. But we know from the inspection that six out of six randomly selected boat sites by Mr. Parikh had the 19-inch image printed on 20-inch paper and not three boat lo locations. The arguments from defendants' counsel don't make sense. And by the way, if these printers, the configurations had been changed, then this would have occurred uniformly from the time of the change. Every ballot from that point would be changed to this 19-inch configuration that somehow got to 19 inches by their own uh, statement at all three locations by different people making a change on shrink to fit that Mr. Macias was very hesitant to say, well, I don't know how it would get to exactly 19 inches, but the fact that they want to blame Republicans for coming out and voting on Election Day, that's atrocious. It's atrocious. It's in our Constitution to vote on Election Day. The county plans for turnout on Election Day. As a matter of fact, they plan for higher turnout with the 290,000 vote projection even before Republican leaders, they claim, were telling their constituents to come out and vote on Election Day. They planned on it. We're supposed to believe that they weren't ready to go? And if they weren't, then that is, again, consistent with our claims. But the fact is, Your Honor, that 19-inch ballot image on ballots from every single six locations that were inspected is a fact. It's a fact. And how arrogant it is to, to blame Republican or, or any voter, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, if they don't trust the system for whatever reason, and they want to cast their vote in the most secure manner possible, which is on Election Day. So earlier when we started out at opening, I said that you know the Carter-Baker Commission in 2005 said that mail-in voting is the, the method of voting that is most vulnerable to fraud. So if a voter, whether they are Republican, Democrat, or independent, wants to see their vote get cast and counted, why is that wrong? Your Honor, the evidence shows that Kerry Lake won this race. We, At a minimum, we have put forth solid evidence that the outcome of this election is uncertain. Mr. Barris's testimony, his modeling, which is actually even more detailed than what the county itself does, and his model is on the high end of what the county predicted. But Mr. Barris actually talked to voters. And as he testified to, they all consistently said, this thing was a train wreck. And in terms of the response rate, never before had he seen that with a 20% drop in response rate out of hundreds of polls. He was not hired for this litigation. This was an observation that he had completely independent, and it didn't make sense absent the issues that occurred on Election Day. Your Honor, we put forward solid evidence, stand behind that evidence. We'd come back. They, they said, you know, we didn't bring these other witnesses. If we had more time. We'll, we'll bring them here tomorrow. I'm not suggesting, but that that has no bearing. So I want to thank Your Honor for, for giving us the opportunity to present this case for the opportunity for people to see 
the evidence for themselves and judge. And with that, Your Honor, plaintiff rests. Thank you. All right. I will take the matter under advisement and, uh, and issue a ruling forthwith. Um, I need to go over everything and be very thorough. So don't expect that this is coming out by five o'clock. For what it's worth, I'll also say that I appreciate, I know this is a highly contested and emotional issue for both sides, but I want to express my appreciation to counsel for both sides for your professionalism and your ability to present this case in a way that was thought through meaningful. Thank you. With that, I will take this under advisement. Adjourn. All rise. Man, guys, look, big surprise. <clears throat> we got a special guest that's going to be uh, joining us for some commentary here, but that does conclude the trial. It has been a freaking marathon. I've literally been listening nonstop since uh, 10.30 this morning. It is now 6.30. So, Neil, were you watching the whole thing? I know you, I know you said you just got back to yeah, I had, we've got all this snow up here and my plow truck was down. So I'd run into town getting parts and everything so I can get my driveway plowed out. You know, I'm a mile back in the woods, Nick. So it's a, it's a real, real problem. But, uh, so I couldn't watch it all, but I caught a lot of it. I've, I've made a lot of videos over on KamiTube, you know, uh, just trying to keep up with all of it, watching clips, logging into your stream actually and watching the trial itself. I, I think actually something really big that the judge said there right at the end. After you had uh, the defense trying to basically say these people need to uh, be sanctioned and then the judge thanked both sides for their professionalism, I thought, you know, like, look, buddy, you're not getting your sanctions. All right. Uh, Get a grip. So I thought that was very good. And actually, you know. Nick, I, trying to watch this, and I, I know you do this too. You're trying to watch it. Like, how would just John Q. Public logging in watch this without any uh, bias? Maybe, maybe that middle of the road voter. And I saw missteps on both sides, but you know, if I'm looking at who presented the best argument, I obviously, you know, I mean, and I don't want to pretend that I'm not biased, but I really do believe that the Kerry Lake team far and away presented the best the best argument without question i think i think the only real blunders was uh related to administerial things like trying to get exhibits yeah. up and trying to get witnesses and it was kind of uh, fumbling around at times but we know that there was some sort of issue where the tech that worked at the courtroom uh swapped out a cable or something and it threw them off and it looked like almost like intentional sabotage and i know yeah, you know, I'm going to get labeled a conspiracy theorist for that, <laughs> but I found it kind of odd. They were like, we did our due diligence. We double checked, but there's some sort of issue. And so they were losing a lot of time trying to get exhibits admitted into evidence. And uh, other than that, their actual arguments, the fundamentals of it. Yes, were solid. We're solid. The only thing I'll say there on that administrative stuff, and I, I, I felt his, he, he sounded like he was just making excuses, which judges do not like. And, uh, just, just from that standpoint, when he, when he, when he was dealing with it, I didn't like his, his way of handling it. Uh, that's the Kid Rock lawyer. 
(laughs) 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 So it was, but I'm telling you, I mean, like when you see, they tried to obviously discredit uh, Miss Honey there, but uh, she actually presented very well and stumped their lawyer. Maybe they were just pissed off about that whole issue uh, when she just, just took him down. (laughs) It's the most beautiful part of the whole trial, I thought. So. Yeah, like you sent me a text. They they tried to discredit all the witnesses, and uh, with her, with Miss Honey, they tried to say she doesn't have the credentials. With Clay Perique, they said that you know he has an association with Mike Lindell. But you had uh, so so you texted me. This is what Neil Johnson said. Um, you said so a guy who associated with Mike Lindell has a bias, but the woke professor from Wisconsin doesn't. And of course, of course, he's a freaking political science professor at the University of Wisconsin. You telling me this guy doesn't have a liberal bias? But on top of that, Ryan Messias was called out for basically being hired by Katie Hobbs to do uh, to be part of the logic and accuracy test. So you're talking about the actual defendant has an association with the expert witness. That's that's way different than this guy knows Mike Lindell. I mean. Yeah. So, That's, no. And, you know, it was funny. I mean, they're trying to discredit his, their, the association with Mike Lindell. And obviously, you know, nobody triggers liberals quite like Mike Lindell. Let's be real. Uh, it's it's actually one of the funnest things to do. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I know you got a pillow code mix. I always tell people to, you know, buy buy some my pillow products and give them to their their neighborhood liberals to <laughs> just <laughs> I just give him a good night's sleep, but no, I, I really, I was so impressed with, um, I thought Richard Barris's testimony was really good. Um, I, I just thought that was great. Yeah, there it is. Nick. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> somehow that just popped up. I didn't, I don't know how that got there, but yeah, you know, they had they, th- this guy that they had to try to discredit Richard Barris's statistical data, this Wisconsin uh, political science professor, I mean, he was going off of the county's reported numbers regarding wait times to discredit Richard Barris. But what we had in Kerry Lake's um, uh, complaint were poll workers that worked the election, and they were the ones that reported the wait times, saying that the county's website's data was completely false, that they were they were completely minimizing the wait times. So if their expert is saying, I'm going off this data that's already been proven in this trial to be unreliable. And he's using that to discredit Richard Barris. I think his arguments fall apart. Well, they do. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, Mr. Woktard had done no investigation to that. One of the things that I think, and I, I really do think this came across to the judge. It certainly came across to me, and I want your thoughts on this, Nick, is even at the end, even in those closing arguments, uh, you saw the gal, you saw the guy there for the defense. Um, I, you know, I gotta be frank. I, 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 I don't even want to remember Woktard names. So I just don't, I, I just, I, I want them to be as insignificant as they really are in all reality. But <clears throat> when you're, when you're listening to them make their arguments, they're very condescending and they were almost condescending to the court. And when you watch the witnesses like, like Richer, uh, and, and the college professor, you could tell they were unprepared and they just didn't give a damn. I don't know how else to say it. It was like the, the, the Richard was like, just, you know, why are you bothering me on vacation? Uh, and you know, not even I, wearing a suit, he's no. in a dingy t-shirt 
and he's he's on Zoom. He can't be bothered to show up in person, and he's in a dingy T-shirt, like unprofessionally. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, maybe he doesn't go out and buy a suit, but he can at least buy just a button-up shirt and shave. You know, I mean, I know. You know, here I am talking about shaving, but you know, in all seriousness, though, the guy is like, he, they, they were not respecting of the court and the proceeding. They were very condescending because they don't feel they should have to be there. And I think that actually did come through and judges do not like that. Nope. Nope. And, uh, I, I don't know to, and I don't want to say in their defense, but I think the judge was also getting a little annoyed by Kerry Lake's attorney, Brian Blamett, certain points. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of back and forth between the two. So I'm not really sure who he was more annoyed by, the county or, you know, Kerry Lake's team. It's really hard to tell. But, um, yeah, so both sides had some issues, and both sides kind of uh, annoyed the judge a little bit. Oh, look who it is, Mr. No way! The hippie. I, I, I hope they wrote up their legal brief for the appeal, man. Because we know what's about to happen. You think so? You think this is going to get uh, the judge is going to rule against Carrie Lake? No, I actually do have a theory. Wait, is he deciding today? I don't think so. No, he said it's not going to be ready by five o'clock, and that's um, when the courts close or whatever. So probably tomorrow. But he did say because there's uh, an expedited process here, we know that uh, it needs to be fast. Yeah, well, I mean, here's what I think. I, and this might be, you know, annoying, but I'm not your mom. I'm not here to tell you it's going to be okay. This judge was very condescending to our lawyers. I don't think he was equally as condescending to the defense. I think he was just more condescending towards Blem. I don't blame him, though, because Blem was very incompetent. He was just fumbling over words. He was calling out the wrong numbers, the wrong words, the wrong names. He was arguing with the judge. It was it was all over the place. Um, I think on objections, he let Maricopa County and the Secretary of State just do whatever they wanted. However, I think he's he just doesn't strike me as honest. And I think it might be beneficial for our side if we had an appeals court of three judges, maybe five judges, a panel of judges making a good decision, um, I, I think that would actually set a bigger precedent. Imagine the Arizona Supreme Court doing this or the Arizona Appeals Court or even better, the U.S. Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court is likelier to hear a case like this and decide in Kerry Lake's favor than this judge we're listening to. Now, I could be wrong. But I'm, it's just one of those things where I got my guts telling me something. You see, I couldn't, I can't tell if I'm blinded here because I was so focused on all the contradictions in the county's arguments. And I feel like Carrie Lake, their, their, their team wiped the floor, but I wasn't paying much attention to the judge and his demeanor and his reactions as much as I was the actual evidence. So I, I don't really have a prediction here. I would just say, in my opinion, as unbiased and objective as I possibly can be, I think they destroyed. I look. There's actually something that uh, people. So, so the county defense attorneys, they said that Carrie Lake has failed to prove that, um, you know, there was any intentional fraud. And I keep coming back to this dismissal ruling that the judge made, where he says in the second paragraph of discussion, 
He says, honest mistakes or mere omissions on the part of election officers or irregularities in directory matters, even though gross, if not fraudulent, will not void an election unless they affect the result or at least render it uncertain. Now, this is a court precedent from 1929, but yeah. this is the judge's interpretation of what Carrie Lake has to do in order to uh, get the relief that she's seeking. So even if you don't prove intentional fraud, uh, gross irregularities that render the outcome uncertain is it, it, it qualifies as yeah. um, enough. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's how she could. Win yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, that is Arizona Supreme Court's precedent in Territory v. Board of Supervisors of Mohab. They actually said elections uh, can't be rendered invalid unless they prove fraud. But in this case, all they have to prove is that the mistakes or omissions uh, affected the, the result or at least render it uncertain. So he's just kind of paraphrasing that ruling. But yeah, all you have to do is prove that, you know, this margin of 17,000 is in question now. Not that it could have gone one way or the other, but it's uncertain that no one can know who could have won if these errors and honest mistakes they're calling it now uh, didn't occur. So that's the judge is just citing Arizona Supreme Court precedent. Now, the question is, is he going to take uh, was that dude name? What was that dude's name? Barry? Richard Barris? Yeah, is he going to take his testimony, which says fifteen or was it fifteen? Fifteen to, to thirty thousand. Yeah, is he going to take his testimony or go with Maricopa County? That's my problem. It doesn't matter because of the chain of custody issue. We have uh, ballots that were dropped off on election day, two hundred ninety-two thousand, with no chain of custody. They weren't counted at the vote center, and before before they were brought to run back. Now, Ryan Messias yeah. was the county's witness who sat there and said that, oh, an, an administrative paperwork issue shouldn't cause these votes to not count because that would disenfranchise all the voters. And you said Brian Blem was incompetent, but this is where he did an epic smackdown. This was his best shining moment. He pulled up a PowerPoint that Ryan Messias published on his own website and showed where Ryan Messias said chain of custody issues renders the evidence uh, in insecure and invalid. Like he, he showed, these are your own words that conflict with what you just said. And he was right. dumbfounded like a deer in headlights. Well, I missed that part, Nick. Did you, did you, uh, did you scrab that video, man? Oh, that, I want to see that. Um, but, you know, George, I think, you know, you could be right. We may not get a positive ruling. I'm not, I'm not actually, uh, I'm not certain that we're going to get a positive ruling on this. And I think, yeah, we're going to have to potentially appeal. But I want to say something in Blem's defense, too. Um, you know, the, the burden of proof is on them. OK. And I actually feel that I mean, I was a little frustrated with Blem with the, you know, misnumbering and then making some excuses and some of that kind of thing. And, and there was a little interchange with the judge a couple of times that I saw. And again, I haven't seen the whole trial, but I, I'll just say this. To prepare for this level of a case and be able to call out some of the things that he did, I actually think he did really well. I mean, some of his cross-examination was beautiful. And I really loved how he set Richer up with the whole pack idea. You know, the whole, you know, 
Richard obviously started a pack, and then he said he didn't, and and then he clarified that. And I think one of the things that he did really well was that he would ask these questions and basically get them to trap. He would get them to trap themselves with their own words, and then he would just let it sit. Now, I know that he's submitting evidence to the court, okay, that is beyond what you're hearing in oral testimony that that judge can see. And the judge knows that Richard started a pact. Now, I, w- I want to know, how can this guy, Richard, not be charged with contempt for his couple of lies? You know, so it, that's a whole other thing. But I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to throw Blem under the bus here because I was nah, actually. Nah, nah, he, he wasn't my guy, though. I'm not going to lie. He wasn't the guy. But I, I will say this. Uh, the thing that annoys me more is we prove this much with two counts. And that's machine malfunction and printer problems on election day and then chain of custody that you can prove that, that we had, we had evidence for that, but we had eight other counts. This man dismissed where, you know, the first amendment violations with the secretary of state's office and contacts with Twitter telling them which posts to remove. They were removing posts from people with five followers. Some grandma watched Nick Mo Cedar on rumble heard some election conspiracy theories, tweeted on Twitter, and they removed her tweet and her account. So the First Amendment count was crucial. I think the count for signature verification... Well, it was more crucial than what the judge made it out to be. I think Uh, that's a separate case, George. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not. It's not, because the point can be made that, well, it's part of the misconduct uh, thing they're trying to prove. The Secretary of State can't work with a private company like Twitter to interfere with an election. That's just illegal. It's unconstitutional. It's un-everything good we know about. So I think that count should have remained. There's a reason Carrie Lake's team brought it up, because she could have proven that it still went on during the election cycle. And that's enough to invalidate an election if the Secretary of State is currently running in the election and telling a platform that hosts for the majority of it political speech, what to do. I think that's a problem. The second thing I, I got annoyed about was the signature verification. Uh, I agree on that. How, 100% how agree on that. To, how are we supposed to know how many ballots could have been inserted into the system with voters that didn't exist if the signatures aren't being checked? So I was irritated about that. That's why I'm looking at this judge and I'm saying, oof, the condescending tone that I was hearing over the last two days, uh, I know what he's going to kind of do. He, he's probably going to say Maricopa County definitely did a lot of mistakes. They committed a lot of actions that shouldn't have been done by an honest election board. However, maybe there's just not enough evidence that, you know, the kind of typical uh, cop-out way they do things. Uh, he just strikes me like Bernovich strikes me. Just do the bare minimum, Right condemn Maricopa County's actions and declare that they should be more transparent, but do not declare Carrie Lake the winner or for a new election. That's just my problem. And that's why I'm saying they should fire up the appeal petition. I th- I think they should have appealed count three with the, uh, the, the signature verification and requested that the, you know, the courts force that into the trial. But uh, I think that we're past that now. But okay, so real quick, Emily C two twenty dollars says they didn't keep the ballot original originals with their duplicates. Do we know how many ballots were adjudicated? I think we'll come to that in a second, Emily. So thank you for your rubble rant. 
But uh, there was okay. So there was this other thing, which is really really crucial. And I don't know Neil if you caught this, but this was completely fundamental to the to the trial. So co-director Jarrett of Maricopa County made two contradictory statements about this whole shrink to fit thing. So yesterday, he said under oath that there was no ballot styles that were 19 inches. There were no 19-inch ballots. And if there were, it would be a failure of the process. Okay? Then today, today, he completely changed that and said, actually, we were doing a root cause analysis, and we found three vote centers where there was a shrink-to-fit issue that, that caused ballots to be rejected. And it appeared very clearly that he totally made this up on the fly. Somebody had mentioned shrink to fit, and then they just went with that. And Kurt Olson called this out. Uh, and 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 so not only did he make con- contradictory statements, but he said that their root cause analysis found that only three vote centers had the shrink to fit issue. But Clay Parikh, he did a, um, a ballot inspection across six vote centers where all six had the 19-inch ballots. So Kurt Olson was like, okay, Mr. Uh, Jarrett, what would happen if this vote center right here happened to have 19-inch ballots and you just said that there were no 19-inch ballots there? What would happen if that evidence were to appear? And he was frozen. He was like, you know, he he didn't know what to say. So that was a really crucial moment there. That's phenomenal. I didn't see that. I did see the testimony yesterday, where, uh, but I did not see see that today. But you know what I find interesting about that is, again, I mean, I, just like we were talking about with Richard and uh, his statements that were not true, this guy's statements were obviously not true. He changed the story from one day to the next. So how is that? I, I yeah, just that's perjury. How, I, that's yeah. How is that not yep. lying? With how is that not a chargeable offense from the court? Yeah, because Kurt Olson kept saying, hey, you were being uh, you were testifying yesterday about this very issue and you didn't think that it was relevant enough to mention that you found this explanation uh, of shrink to fit. I mean, that just didn't pop in your mind as important. And he made him he made him look really, really guilty. And then so uh, Jarrett said that there was, you know. There was a root cause analysis. There's been communications about it. We've talked about it. And Kurt Olson was like, okay, so those communications exist and you could produce them, right? And he was like, um, um, yeah, of course, of course I can. Of course they <laughs> exist. And then he was like, okay, so you determined this was an issue on election day. Did you inform the public? He said, no. Have you informed Maricopa County about your findings? No. Yeah, man, it was uh, good. Kurt oh, Olson had him. Uh, uh, Mr. Gotta... Liddy, that fat bastard, the end, the final speaker there, Maricopa County's attorney. Is it Thomas <laughs> Liddy? Is it Thomas Liddy? Thomas Liddy is is yeah. what fat bastard? Yeah, that guy, that prick. So <laughs> there was something he said that got on my nerves, man. Uh, can I play the video, Nick? I'm going to share my my uh, screen here. Yeah, You're not going to believe this, man. I, I just, I just want to replay this to keep it in people's minds. Errors. But those errors, or those mishaps by machines, if you will, the effect that had on election day voters was compounded, Your Honor, not by intentional misconduct 
any employee or anybody under control of Maricopa County. But by months and months and months of communication from the current leadership of the Republican Party of Arizona and the communications specialists of the Carrie Lake for Governor campaign that said, do not vote early. Even if you're on the pebble and you've got an early ballot, don't mail it. Don't drop it off the drop box. 2,000 mules. Bring your car, maybe. Go on election day and vote on person. And Lord forbid, don't ever put your ballot in the drop box, in the ballot box, or in drawer number three. Because there's something very scary about drawer number three, which is nothing but a ballot box. So people all over the world do the ballots. Vote it, stick it in the ballot box. But people were terrorized by that on election day. That's not on Maricopa County. Did you, you just hear okay. what he just said? Yeah. He, 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 he blamed, blamed you. He, he blamed, blamed the, voter. the voter. Do you know what's really interesting about this, George? I, I, I want to make something really clear here. When I, so being an election day worker, which, which I was, I was an election judge. Okay. That what they call drawer number three, we didn't call it drawer number three, but it's on those tabulation machines. So I, I, I know what that is. And what's really fascinating is there was never, we have to, like, in our policies where I was, and we did everything by the book, actually, our, our precinct ran really well, that drawer has to be checked, and everybody has to sign that it's empty, and then it gets relocked and sealed. At the beginning of the day, that didn't happen in Maricopa. And I know that because I've heard that testimony before. And I wonder why they didn't bring that up. Because that's part of the election day procedures. You have to show that that drawer that they're calling door number three is empty. You have to account that it's empty. And they didn't. Yeah, I don't know, but <clears throat> to go back to Emily C's uh rumble rant there, I want to make sure I address that. So <clears throat> I put out uh, a, a telegram post. I've talked about this throughout the day, so sorry if it's a repeat. But the real issue here that I see is the fact that what you had was these ballots being rejected, uh the 19-inch ballots being rejected, then placed into door number three, then taken to a central tabulation center, and duplicated onto 20 inch ballots right you had teams that were doing massive duplication of of people's uh votes and they had to decide the voters intent now there's an opportunity to switch votes and here's the here's the big problem is the fact that arizona statute says that you're supposed to keep those ballots together the original and the duplicate they're supposed to be marked they're supposed to have serial numbers and they did not follow this process whatsoever. So you cannot, you, you physically can't figure out which, uh, which duplicates match up with the original and you can't catch them if those selections don't match. So I think that this, uh, 19 inch manipulation was a twofold thing. One, it caused voter disenfranchisement, but two, it also caused an opportunity for mass adjudication, manual adjudication through duplicating ballots. Amen. No, that's a huge point, Nick. I actually shared that. You you shared that over on Telegram, and I shared that out because that was brilliant, actually, how you uh, you brought that up. I, so I give you lots of credit oh, there. Thank but you. It, you know, it really. Yeah. It astonishes me. I'll be here all how, night. It astonishes me how this, what was his name? 
Uh, yeah, Thomas Fat Man Liddy. So this guy, he comes up. He was cross-examining yesterday. And I believe he was cross-examining Clay. No, not Clay. That Parikh guy. Is it is it Clay Parikh? Yes, Clay Parikh. Yeah, I, I thought you couldn't hear me. Well, so he's like, Mr. Parikh, is it your understanding that a ballot on 19-inch blah, 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 it gets duplicated and counted and the voters' vote gets tabulated and there's no problem? Is it your understanding? Is that your testimony? I'm just saying. I remember that. Like, yep. Are you making it seem like it's a great thing that ballots are being duplicated because you made an intentional decision to project 20-inch ballots on 19-inch paper? Oh, it's, man. it's worse than that, George, because to Nick's point, is that he, he's asking Clay Parik a question he can't answer. He doesn't know how those votes are getting counted. He has no idea how once that all went haywire and went wrong, how those votes were going to be tabulated. And to Nick's analysis here, they don't even have the receipts of the other spoil ballot there with the other ballot. So we can't know either. There's absolutely no way to know. But Kurt Olson did raise this issue. And it's actually, I believe, part of Abraham Hamaday's lawsuit, the duplication of ballots. Uh, somehow he's he's got evidence. He believes that uh, voter intent was manipulated through that process. So um, it's going to be interesting, his lawsuit, which the trial starts tomorrow. But yeah, I, guys. That one, I that's the trial that I'm, I'm most excited about. I really, to George's point, I don't know that we're going to get the positive ruling we want on this, even though, you know, we can look at this and we can go over all this stuff. I, I just, but we're talking, what is it? 511 or 551 votes with Abe Hamaday. And yeah, and it's, it's a totally different ball game. Uh, furthermore, the, the bar is not set as high uh, through the judge's order. Uh, everything about that case is better. And I, I just, I'm just going to say this much. And uh, I think my family's got dinner ready, so I'm going to have to get going. But I, that, that, that lawsuit, all we need is one. All we need is to set precedent with one and show that, hey, if you're going to cheat, the person can actually win who got cheated. All we need is one. And so if it's Abe Hamaday, if it's Carrie Lake, this this will be huge either way. And then if we get the positive ruling with Abe Hamaday, that's going to further create the precedent. So when the Lake appeal happens, if we don't get a positive ruling here, that we can get a positive ruling there. Right. Yeah, man. I don't want to feel you full of hopium, George. And Nick, I know. No, you know, no, I, I love I'm full of hopium, man. But, For the first time hopium. in my life, I'm, I'm about to float away. I'm about to float away on a hopium <laughs> balloon, man. Nah, Nick's I'm been feeling pretty good, all these man. Lawsuits. Nick's been listening to all these lawsuits, man, these hearings. I had to take a break. I was like, man, I'm tired of this legalese I'm hearing. I need <laughs> need to speak to normal people, man. I don't want to hear about mitigation, litigation, chain of custody, documentation, legally required, shall permit, whatever. I'm tired of it. So Nah, my obsessive mind, I just can't let go, man. I've been... I've been listening to the entire thing, even during the breaks. I give commentary, so it's been a nonstop marathon for me. And uh, all I ask in return is that you click the like button and subscribe. I mean, damn, a thousand <laughs> likes, dude! Hey, a thousand I'm likes. Should... And I hit Rumble. 
I mean, I'm telling you, I I do it. I understand the algorithm and all this stuff. That's, that's all I ask, man. Or, <laughs> wait, you understand the Rumble algorithm that doesn't exist? Yeah, right. It doesn't make any <laughs> material difference, but it makes my ego feel a little better. <laughs> Being banned from YouTube. Uh, George, it was a pleasure. I, I, I was surprised when you jumped on. I'm like, this is exciting. Now I guess. Dude, we spoke yesterday, Neil. <laughs> we talk every other day now. <laughs> I, but now I get to see you. You know, it's almost like, you know, being near you. Oh, George. you're all, you're on my live streams every every night. Is seen. I always see Neil Johnson or, yeah, I see you, man. You're there. <laughs> Don't act like we miss each other. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm watching your live streams. We're interacting. All right, Neil, brother. I appreciate you jumping on. All right. Love you, And uh, look, Merry look Christmas if I don't speak to you. Got, man. Hey, check this out, guys. I got to show you one thing real quick. Look at this. I got in the mail. Check this out. On Slate, okay, Isla President Trump ornament. This is from one of my <laughs> listeners. Look at this. Lumberjack Logic coaster. And on the back, look oh, at this. Awesome. To my hero. Lumberjack. Oh, <laughs> and it's, oh man. This is from Adele Rutherford, man. What a great gift. I mean, this is just, this is like the greatest. And and then oh, I got. I, I didn't get that. No, I'm joking. A gift packet from Hawaii, too, you know, from Aloha Prepper. She sent me some chocolate. I love, I love her. Yeah. So oh, that's awesome. awesome, man. Anyways, Merry Christmas, guys. You too, brother. I was trying to pull up this, uh, this image that Lady Draza created. And it's very, very interesting. I don't know if you've seen it, and I can't seem I to not, find it. But it's a, it's a comparison it. between the 20-inch ballot and the 19-inch ballot next to one another. And she says that these Dominion machines are programmed to read uh, specific vote targets right, in specific locations. And so if you were to shrink it down an inch, that would throw off where the Dominion uh, machine is going County. to actually count – and she showed that if you draw a line across the two, it it causes um, people's selections to switch for the, the candidates. Now, the problem with that is I don't think that those 19-inch ballots can go through the machine at all. They're going to get rejected every single time. I'm, yeah, because the machines – well, unless they could change the configuration of the machine to count 19-inch ballots. We never know. Yeah. I think this was more about um, – bringing a bunch of ballots to duplication. Uh, Rick Nick. Trent says, Nick, it is not a 19-inch ballot. It is a 19-inch image on a 20-inch ballot. I, I, I'm I, sorry if I uh, misconstrued my words. but I'm, I mix it up all the time. Nick, yeah, I have yeah, a yeah. question for you. How much of a slam dunk do you think we would have had in 2020 if we actually got our day in court? Oh, my God. It, it's been so – there's there's like <laughs> – look at Georgia, man. Look at Georgia. You, you remember the, the Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's so-called audit? Mm-hmm. Like, where they, 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 they basically found after the ballot images were released to the public, it's, it was like a new law. They were able to audit the Secretary of State's audit and found like a 47% error rate. <laughs> it was completely Man. fraudulent and fabricated. And it's clear as day, black and white. You can see it with your own eyes. Well... Man, I, I wish we had a day in court in 2020, but can I just say, this is our last chance, people. We can never win Arizona again if we have Katie Hobbs as governor signing or rejecting to sign any laws. 
an attorney general that works for the cartels with a secretary of state that represented the cartels as a lawyer, Adrian Boobman Fontes. We can't have another election in Arizona that's fair. That's why when I see these videos from Trump talking about 2024, I'm just like, are you paying attention? Because I am. I'm seeing people that can decide. Here's my theory, Nick. I know that I could be wrong. Here's what I think. I think on election day, based on their projections, the people that lead and control Maricopa County discovered that Kerry Lake was going to win by a landslide, potentially, if they counted the votes and had everything normal on election day. The turnout for election day was greater than they anticipated. Even their models, which were very highly estimated, couldn't even project how many people would show up on uh, on election day in person or drop off their ballots in person on election day. So they needed an excuse to buy them time to cheat. So someone was allowed to go into the system, into the EMS, mess with the configurations on the printers and tabulators, and boom, problems all over the place. One, you killed two birds with one stone. Republicans that vote on election day are disenfranchised. But furthermore, you buy more time to count votes sporadically, just drops like QAnon, Q drops, you know, just one drop per night, five batches counted per second. You know, you just slowly count and make sure there's no chain of custody, of course, because if because, well, it wouldn't. I mean, we're talking about almost 300,000 ballots, Nick, with no chain of custody. Or you, you cannot tell me they can't just write down on a sheet of paper, this is how many ballots we had and this is how many we're bringing here. And it's so simple. And it's especially if it's legally required. Right. So it was a deliberate attempt to make sure no one sees what, what's going on. Kerry Lake would have, could have probably won by 150,000 votes. We don't know. Right. And, and especially when those ballots are going to a, uh, a third party vendor, because that's. That, Predominantly I mean, supporting Democrats and leftism candidates. Right. So, the, so the cha- there there is a chain of custody on the ballots, but it doesn't start until they get to Runbeck. And Runbeck, the the the, the chain of custody is created at Runbeck. So at that out, you have an, you have two opportunities. You can insert fake ballots at the vote center, or Runbeck can insert them and then count them up and say, "Here's how many there are." But you're creating and an opportunity for fake ballots to be inserted by the the vendor that prints the frickin' ballots. Isn't it interesting that one of these Runbeck employees told Carrie Lake's team that 50 ballots from employees at Runbeck is that, did I hear that right? 50 ballots were brought in to Runbeck and th- that was their whistleblower. Yeah, one, one witness testified that there was, a, uh, she witnessed personally 50 ballots being inserted by Runbeck and they were told that they could insert ballots from their family members. That's just illegal. That's not true at all. The only places in Arizona that can take ballots are drop boxes, or in Maricopa County specifically, drop boxes, a mule house, or, you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, well, legitimate places. Right. Rumbeck so- is not a government agency. It's not a public place which you can transfer and put ballots to. So There's no exceptions for employees. No, and, and they try to make the argument that, you know, ballot harvesting is not totally illegal. You can harvest ballots for your family members, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, because of your argument, 
It doesn't matter. That's not a legitimate Dropbox. Now, I want to ask yeah. you a question and let me know what you think. If this uh, this this vendor, Runbeck, either clearly uh, intentionally violated the law by inserting those ballots or doesn't understand the law, why should we trust them to maintain a legitimate chain of custody? Yeah, we shouldn't. my answer we shouldn't nick has diaper duties no she asked if i fed the dogs this morning i I did now let them little bastards starve we got a country to save (laughs) the the dogs they're gonna save the country let them dogs die bro they they, they can go they're just weighing me down huh yeah nah you know i i get your point uh i i don't understand why uh we're still arguing on third parties and them being involved in lawsuits. I don't know why Runback CEO couldn't testify. Oh, it's a private company. Well, they are doing the business of the state. That doesn't make them a private company. That makes them a state actor. You know, if you go help a police officer in his arrest of someone, you're acting on behalf of the state as a police officer, yep. essentially. So, you, you, you know, Runback, yeah. You, you know, <coughs> excuse me. You know what's crazy is. So Runbeck is uh, where the ballots go first, and they have this master uh, gigantic machine that takes images of the ballot affidavits really quickly and yeah. sends those images over to MCTEC, and MCTEC then verifies the signatures. So let's get this straight. The, 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 the ballot signature verification process is not done using actual physical ballots. It's done using images Pictures. taken Pictures. by a third party vendor who also yeah. has access to the voter rolls. Yeah. How easy would it be to send over fake images and insert fake ballots? How easy would it be to generate duplicates? And we talk about Dr. Shiva's uh, report, which is why I think signature verification would have been a slam dunk, but latches was used. Oh, you knew signature verification was bad before the midterms. That was the judge's justification. Why didn't you challenge it then? Oh, you mean I needed to wait to be screwed over before I challenged it? Oh, excuse me for trusting that Maricopa County would have conducted a better signature verification this time around. So, yeah, the latches thing. I'm tired of latches, man. Son of a latch. Why do you like (laughs) it, Nick? (coughs) Son of a latch. Why do you like it? Why do I like it? I don't like latches. I think no, it makes sense. You were in my sense. locals chat the other night no, no, talking to me about no, how no, you no. love latches, man. When, when when latches is actually applied correctly, it makes sense. But it when wasn't it applied correctly. Okay, actually, so I'm asking I'm asking a real question. Okay, so let's say you and I are running uh, against each other in an election, right? And uh, I've never I run win. against you, man. I, I, I win. I I never run against win. you. No, no I'd never because you would lose. You, but let's say that you tried and you lost okay. and I won. Okay, okay, so then you file a lawsuit about how the ballots, uh, were the signatures were verified. And then the, the judge is just going to look at that and be like, okay, this was the process for the last 10 years. Now, all of a sudden you lost an election and you have a problem with the law. Why didn't you file this lawsuit earlier? Because... If if you won, I bet you wouldn't even challenge this. So fair. It's it's like you're you don't like the way 
you're trying to make the argument that the way the election was conducted, the process, the laws, uh, they they uh, you don't like them, and the the reason about, is because you lost. What, if, what about if I had a new profound discovery um, that I didn't take too seriously back then, but there's obvious signs that it occurred. For example, maybe an attorney general somewhere issues a report saying the current system by which they verify signatures doesn't protect against abuse. What if I discovered that? But then I thought, ah, you know, maybe that's just for a previous election that he looked into for signature verification. But now in this new election, they're going to obviously improve because the top law enforcement officer in the state is, you know, calling them out for it. And I thought they'd do a good job the next time around. And then it happens again. Can latches still apply? So that's a good question. You you can actually challenge the election process after an election but you have to give a good reason for the delay. You you have to tell the judge, uh, here's why I didn't challenge this earlier. You know, because if 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 I knew about this since 2019, but I didn't challenge it till now, you have to explain to the judge why you waited. So it could be, hey, judge, I knew this was the law, but I didn't know um, I didn't know how this actually looked in practice, and you know, there was this new report and I see all these problems with it. And I didn't learn about that until just recently. So you can challenge the process. You can challenge the laws after an election, but you have to give a good reason why you waited. Now, the problem I had with the the count three and the, the, the signature verification being dismissed for latches was the fact that we weren't really challenging the law. We weren't challenging the process. We were challenging the fact that the law had been broken, that illegal yeah. votes had been counted. Because yeah. we know that these level two managers were overriding the rejected signatures and allowing them to count. And also, Nick, the law doesn't say you need to send signatures and a third party company needs to take pictures and send them to Maricopa County and Maricopa County needs to verify. Where does it say that in the law? The law just says you need to do signature verification. The election procedure ma- manual says you need to do signature verification. But it doesn't say if, you know, the law seems obviously broken and ballots could be invalidated if they really did signature verification. You couldn't challenge it after. Oh, by the way, Nick, are you standing up? No. Oh, because you yeah, you tried to stand up. And I, was like, I was like, he's the same height when he stood up. So it kind of checked out for me. I was like, all right. Okay, so anyways, change subject. Expert G says $5. Wait, who adjudicates run-back ballots? I don't even know what you mean by that, but nobody. Nobody. Run-back is uh, a rogue third party with with, uh, a clear political bias that basically runs the entire election. It's ridiculous. Uh, Not just in Arizona, dude. They have Clark County in Nevada. They do a lot of things for them. So if you think, ooh, it's just AZ, <laughs> well, think about the Senate race in Nevada and the things Runback could do. They have access to voter rolls. And I'm not even just talking about Nevada. They they control the entire west and western side of the country, Nick. They have uh, uh, services they offer to Wyoming. Why, do, why, does, why, why does a state with nobody in it need Runback to do their dirty work for them? I mean, we're talking about voters – in the thousands, not even tens of thousands. So yeah, they, they are, oh man, it's like dominion, but in a more sickening way where dominion, at least, you know, they, they keep their hands off of the election process. 
you know, apart from tabulating and doing all that. Rumbeck's sitting here actually running the election for the most part. Okay, so real quick, Expert G $2 says <clears throat> that's why the duplicate ballots aren't together. Well, I don't believe that that happens at Runbeck. The duplication happens at the uh, Central Tabulation Center with a, a team of uh, apparently uh, bipartisan observers. But, um, okay, and then Emily C. says, do you think they did the same 1920-inch BS in 2020 and we didn't catch it then? Well, that's what uh, Maricopa we Co-Election... Well, that's what he said, it, though. He said we did it. Didn't we check the ballots? Yeah, we checked the. What do you mean? Did we check the ballots? What do you mean? The two point one million. Yeah, we we you know literally had kinematics, kissematics, all that. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely checked the ballots. Uh, but I'll tell you this, Eric Spikine. Remember. Yeah. Remember before I go go to Eric Spikine. Remember, Clay Pariah said that this uh problem that happened on election day could only have been the result of two things shrink to fit that's out it it doesn't explain anything um he said either one there was a ballot style that was created that was 19 inches or two somebody with administrator level access to the bod printer uh laptop manipulated the settings so that it would override the 20-inch ballot style and make it 19. And he said, there's no way you can do that through human error. Now, I want to say this uh, uh, regarding Eric Spikine. Eric Spikine discovered in the 2020 election that there was 25,000 ballots that were printed using a non-official PDF document and it was a fraudulent PDF. Somehow somebody got it. Either they made a copy of the real one or, or I mean, um, so so Aaron Clements, uh, Professor Clements' wife, Aaron Clements, she said that those uh, ballot styles are stored on the EMS. The um, what's, it, what's the EMS stands for something? EMS. Election management services. System. Server, right, right, right. System. Yeah. And uh, those could have been hacked into, and somebody could have, you know, taken the 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 the, the PDF. Um, when we're when we're talking about uh, what 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 Clay Parikh said and explaining this anomaly that happened on election day, it appears that it's way 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 more likely that somebody uh, reconfigured the settings to override the twenty inch ballot uh ballot style because i will agree with ryan messias the county's witness and what he said he said that if there was a 19 inch ballot style then you would have seen all the ballots were 19 inches but we we had some that were and some that weren't so it makes more sense that in some vote centers either remotely meaning through internet access or somebody that works there uh, manipulated the same. Nick, Nick, it's air decked. <laughs> nah, man. Nah, man. It's air decked. Nah. But there's a, there's a computer that hooks up to the printer, and that, right. of course, you can hack into it. It's air decked, though. Uh, no one can enter this gap of air they've created <laughs> around Maricopa County. Uh, that is interesting. 
Uh, what, what's your prediction on the judge's ver- verdict? Let's just get your wrong prediction here. Well, <laughs> I am always wrong. I am no, you're always right. wrong. Always you know, right. I think that um, Carrie Lake being declared the winners out of the question. Uh, new election. Um, let's 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 go through it. Well, we could do that. He could say there's no winner and a new election needs to be held. I'd love that. That that sounds so reasonable to me. It it comes down to, okay, so the county attorney made a pretty good argument and said that um, even if they even if they proved that the printers were intentionally manipulated to print 19 inch, blah, 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 uh, they haven't identified exactly how votes were either canceled or votes were added through that process. And I think the judge is probably going to agree with that. I, I think what it's going to come down to is whether or not the judge thinks those 292,000 ballots lacking chain of custody is a big enough security flaw to render the outcome unknown. Hmm. Uh, I think, I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd love I, I think Carrie's team went a bit too went a bit too far in their complaint. I mean, they're requesting for the judge to set aside the results and declare Carrie the winner, which uh, is just inappropriate. I think what they should have they should have just asked for a new election, like flat out, because there is precedent for that. Especially mm-hmm. considering we weren't. I mean, maybe they thought with their other counts they would have yeah. proven that they won. Right. Um. But yeah, I I just think. I, I would agree that maybe the judge would lean towards. Oh well, no, I think he he's probably bought off because I'm I'm black pilled man. <laughs> Sorrows is texting him right now, putting I pictures said- of his dong on his phone. <laughs> saying, this is what's gonna happen to you. You know you know you know how this thing works, Nick. No, I said that him right now. He probably woke up with a horse's head next to him in bed. Or his, made him his, an offer he couldn't refuse. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. His granddaughter's fingers were like in a box at his front door. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying, man. This judge. Oh, by the way, Thomas Liddy talking about cancel culture was funny. It was just hilarious. He thinks they're getting canceled. You get stupid. You're the one. <laughs> You're censoring uh, us, dumb dumbass. Yeah, well, Nick, it's over, man. Not 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 this lawsuit, but the trial. Uh, it's over finally, and you can get back to loving me, man. Because you've been this thing has been taking your time away from us, man. <laughs> all right, well, I'm gonna. I guess I guess we'll wrap this. I gotta up, go, man. I'm gonna come go. to bed. All right, I'll be in there in a sec. No, 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 no. no. Stay right there. Stay <laughs> oh, right they didn't there. know we live in the same house. Nah, all right. goodbye. Oh, that's dude. weird. You're, you made it weird, man. I was joking. You made it weird. Get out of here. Get out of here. Right. Everybody go to uh, George's Rumble channel. Subscribe to Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rumble, Rumble.com slash Behizzy. Just type Behizzy on Rumble. You know, Nick, you know, he's big on this app, man. I need the I need the love, too, you know? So, uh, also Twitter, at Behizzy tweets. I'm currently shadow banned, so you're actually going to have to type all of that. So be hizzy tweets on Twitter, truth social at be hizzy. Um, don't follow me on Telegram because it's a terrible app. You know, just nah, I love Telegram. Un- unless you know you want to get triggered every two months with my annual or bi-monthly QAnon denouncing tweet. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, truth social gab, all that, man. I'm out. See ya. All right, later, man. Okay, five dollar Rumble rant. 
the guy said he doesn't have the report yet in regards to what happened with 19 verse 20, but it happened in previous elections. Does he have the reports from previous posted? Great question. That's an excellent question, man. Why aren't you an attorney? So, yeah, basically, Kurt Olson asked the guy, hey, how come you haven't told the public about your findings with the three vote centers that had, you know, shrink to fit issues? And he said, well, our root cause analysis is still ongoing. Now, XX Tony DXX just raised an excellent point and says, well, they said that this happened in prior elections. So did you ever publish your report to the public from 2020, from the primaries, uh, from 2018, all the prior elections where this happened? And that is an excellent freaking question, man. And I think the answer is obvious. No, of course not, because they just came up with this shrink to fit BS on the fly. Just Tony. Okay. All right. Just Tony, not XX Tony DXX. Well, that is your name, but thank you for the rumble rant. And thank you for raising that excellent point. I didn't even think about that. Now guys, I'm tuckered out and I would appreciate if you would uh, subscribe to this channel here. That's like the, I know I keep saying it. I'm like, I'm just plugging it, you know, every 20 minutes or whatever. But see, the thing is, we got put on the editor's page here on Rumble, and that's like, a, so a lot of new people are are clicking on my channel, and uh, I just want to, I just want to say, hey, hey, while you're here, I know you came here to watch the hearing, but old Nickel Bob Crane here, we cover all kinds of news, and this is definitely a channel that you don't want to miss. Okay, so make sure to uh, to, uh, to subscribe, turn your notifications on. We go live almost every day. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live stream the Abraham Hamaday hearing because, boy, am I freaking wiped, man, two days straight, and my wife ain't having it at this point. You know, she's like, I, I did help out a lot a lot around the house today, put my headphones in, but I think we need to actually talk and communicate or else I'm going to be in the doghouse, okay? You guys get it. Those of you that are married out there, I'm sure, all right? Uh, Noel 27 says, sounds like they used this as an attack mechanism, and that's why they didn't make it public. Exactly. No, I think they just made it up. Um, you know, they came up with this shrink to fit BS on the fly. And I came up with this little slogan to just sum up the uh, Maricopa County's <laughs> argument. And it goes as follows. If it shrinks to fit, you must acquit. I'm such a cornball. I'm so cheesy. <laughs> but I thought my joke was hilarious, man. I had to tell it again. That was funny, right? If it shrinks to fit, you must acquit. Well, it was funny in my head. Okay. You know, the OJ trial, the glove don't fit. Come on. You guys are old, old enough to remember that. Come on. Even I'm not, I'm not even old enough to remember that. I'm 31. What year did that happen? Like freaking 1812. That is a long time ago, and I remember. Uh, so, just grunt and have a lots of sex. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I didn't mean to read that out loud. Elijah Fire. Um, yeah, thanks for the advice, man. Unsolicited there. But grunt, what's what's grunt gonna do? I don't think my wife's gonna. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think my wife likes when I grunt. But yep, yeah, so. We've been live for, what, nine freaking hours? Almost exactly nine hours. Salty Zero says 1995. That's when the OJ thing went down. Well, I was four, okay? I was born 1991. 
And that was a long time ago, but I remember that if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. All right, so make sure to send me your, all your money in Rumble Rants uh, as, I, as I wrap this up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really appreciate all the all you guys that sent the Rumble Rants today. I, I think with the nine-hour hearing, we had, I don't know, quite a, like there was $20 here. There was somebody that sent $50. I was like, holy smokes, said $50 for your diaper fund. And I was like, I don't wear diapers. I want to donate that money right to Joe Biden. Nah, but we got the baby, man. And I actually bought diapers that don't fit. Okay? And if the diaper don't fit, my boy can't shit. Ah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, Stay here. You will be fine. Not like you need to shave. Yeah. I'm not shaving. I ain't shaving. Ah. Shucks. Well, now I'm just lingering, you know. Maybe it's because I'd rather stay here and just uh, bask in this this victory that hasn't even happened yet. You know, just sit here and tell myself that Carrie Lake's going to win <laughs> and just, just believe it into existence. Like, I'm afraid if I step away, we're going to get a, a ruling that I don't like. You guys like my joke there about the diaper? That one was straight off the dome, baby. I just came up with that one on, on off the top of my head. If the diaper don't fit, my boy can't shit. Yeah, that's funny, man. That was a banger. That was a 10 out of 10. I'm, I'm rating my jokes now? Oh, my God. It's gotten pathetic. It's just sad. Well, boys and girls, I think it's time for me to go. One more time, smash the rumble button, subscribe, and go to nickmosieter.locals.com. Sign up over there. And if you become a supporter, you'll get an extra video, extra live stream every single week. And it's it's $5 a month. I mean, shucks, it's five freaking dollars a month. I mean, if you if you drink, if you go buy a freaking frappe, it's like seven bucks. You know, can you, you guys can't spare a frappe for your, for your brother, for your boy? You can't spare a frappe for for your for your homie and get extra content. I mean, sometimes we do like hour live stream. So let's think about it. If you did that every week, one, two, three, four, uh, that's like four hours a week for five five buckaroonies for five uh, smackaroonies. I mean, shucks, that's a trillion dollar value. <laughs> Listening to me talk about nonsense. Now, okay, so a uh, judge will not rule today. Um, <laughs> He has a lot of info to rule on. Yes, he does. So I don't want him to give a rush decision. He's going to, it's probably going to come tomorrow, um, possibly the n- next day, but definitely not today. I'd, I'd be shocked if it came today. That's a lot to take in and a lot to consider. Um, judge probably wrote his ruling before it started. God, I hope not. Let's hope for the best, guys. Pray for the best, hope for the worst or something, you know. All right, I'm getting delusional. I'm out of here, guys. Thanks for watching, and I will see you next time.